It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go Hayes! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Ace Cast Live. We got two hours for you today, as we got a lot, and I mean a lot, to get into. Some fascinating stuff has happened in the last couple days. Yes, the awards are great. Congratulations to Terry Francona and Buck Showalter for winning the NL and AL Managers of the Year. We got Cy Youngs today. Got to think that's going to be pretty easy. We'll get into that. Vince Catronio is going to be here, uh, broadcaster for your Oakland Athletics at 1.30. And then a three-time World Series champion, former uh, assistant general manager for the San Francisco Giants and general manager, Bobby Evans. So Bobby won what? Two as an assistant, one as the GM. Uh, did he take over in 2015? So he might have won all three as the assistant. All right. So he's got three World Series rings being with the San Francisco Giants. And, of course, Brian Sabian, he is going to be here at 2.30. We'll talk about Egyptian baseball. Get our update on how that's going. And, of course, having Bobby on today is going to be great about uh, kind of a big story that's broken. I don't know how many of you are following it. Don't worry about it. If you're not, we are. Before we do that, let's get to the A's news. They had the general manager meetings down in Las Vegas. Our buddy J.P. Morosi was able to talk to our own David Forrest, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics. It looks like the A's, we're not going to go out and, you know, Spend a bazillion dollars in free agency, but there's going to be more money that is going to be spent. Let's hear from the general manager, David Forrest. Joined by David Forrest at Oakland Athletics. And David, as you begin these GM meetings, what are the top priorities for your club? Well, John, I think it's hard to sort of pin it down. We obviously have a lot of room for improvement and, and are hoping 2023 is a better year for us. So I think we're here talking to a lot of teams, checking in with agents. I think we hope to upgrade a lot of parts of our major league club in 23. Looking at the pitching staff, are you, are you committed to A.J. Puck as a reliever only or is having him return as a starter a possibility? 
Oh, I, I think AJ getting through the year healthy was a huge step for him, and we certainly have had that conversation about him returning to a starter. Obviously, had a lot of success in college and early in the minor leagues, so I wouldn't rule out AJ coming into camp as a starting pitcher. To have Sean Murphy as the catcher, one of the stars of this league, really, what have you seen in him that's taken him to the next level? Man, he just has a complete all-around game. You know, defense has been outstanding. He's handled our pitching staff well from day one in the big leagues. But you've seen the, the progress on offense. You've seen him, you know, be able to do everything behind the plate. And he really carried our, our lineup in the second half of the season. Well, Seth Brown, certainly, I'm sure, a lot of interest in him because of the power bat. Uh, what would you characterize the possibility of potentially moving him or at least listening on him this offseason? <laughs> Seth is a popular guy, for sure. But, you know, he made such a leap in the He's second half. He's not going anywhere. Um, filled in great at both first and right field. But his, his offense took, took to the next level, and I, I look forward to him doing that in Oakland next year. Looking at the organization, David, and the moves that you've made to bring in talent, which prospects do you see as potentially making an impact on your major league club here in 2023? Hopefully a number of them. I mean, we feel really good about the group that's in the fall league right now. You know, JT Ginn and Ryan Cusack came through trades. Uh, Zach Geloff is having an outstanding fall league along with Lawrence Butler and Denzel Clark. Um, you put Tyler Soderstrom in that mix. There's a lot of names down there we feel really good about. All right, there you go. The general manager that uh, of your Oakland Athletics. That's a good sign, right? Going to spend a little more money. Going to sign some guys? Like to see that. Now, really the thing that was interesting the last couple days is you got to start protecting guys on your 40-man roster. And the A's have added Hogan Harris, left-handed pitcher who has soared through the system. He is now in the 40-man, so he cannot be a part of the Rule 5 draft. And then Lawrence Butler, the super athletic outfielder, that a lot of people have been following in our minor league system. They think he could be a part of our future. He now gets added. And if my numbers are right, that has us at 39. Correct. Is that, is yeah. that correct? There's one spot open. Now, why why are we talking about this? Well, while we're in San Diego on, I want to say it's December 7th, is the Rule 5 draft. I think that, that sounds right. The that, last day. Yeah. The last day of the winter meetings will be the Rule 5 draft. Yep, Wednesday, December 7th. Yeah, it's Wednesday, December So, our top 30, according to MLB.com, who is now unprotected that can be picked in the Rule 5 draft on December 7th when we're down in San Diego? Uh, from what I got from our good friend Melissa Lockhart, um, the top 30 guys that are not protected. According to MLB.com. Yeah, these are MLB.com's prospect rankings. Arubio Angelis. Uh, who the A's acquired last offseason. If season. you're butchering that, that's okay. Yeah, um, he's in he's in low A or high A uh, Lansing. He's the 17th best prospect in the A's system. Logan Davidson, the former number one pick. Out of? Clemson, the switch hitting shortstop. He's number 19, according to MLB.com. Dabo Sweeney okay with that? Uh, well, Dabo should worry about getting into college football playoff. Ooh, don't worry about Logan fired. Davidson. Brian Blovis, who was uh, also playing in uh, – I think he might have made it to double-A last year, but I remember him playing for Stockton the year prior – He's the 21st-ranked prospect. Colin Palouse, who's a 24th-ranked prospect and a starting pitcher, the only pitcher that's actually on this list that I saw from and Melissa sent to me, and Jorge Juan's also a starter as well, or pitcher as well. There you go. 30th-ranked, which Melissa said she's surprised that Hogan Harris wasn't ranked in the ace top 30, but he's one of the guys they protected. Because all that doesn't matter. Yeah. Jim Callis told us, and this is the MLB pipeline guru guy for MLB.com. He said, if you're looking at, and he said it here on this show, if you're looking at 
minor league systems. You can take the top five. Yeah, it means something. You can take the bottom five in the rankings. Yeah, it means something. Everybody in between, who the hell knows? They're all guessing. This is the guy that puts all these lists together. It's kind of like the mock drafts. Can you turn my headphones up a little bit? It's kind of like the mock drafts. Like, they're just spitballing. So when they say, I don't know, just uh, the Kansas City Royals have the number one uh, rated farm system and the White Sox have the worst. And everybody in between, they don't know. You have no clue. You're dealing, but you're dealing with minor leaguers of all different ages, shapes, sizes. Who the hell knows? But we just wanted to get you updated. These are the guys that, in our top 30, not protected, we'll keep you updated because we will be down at the winter meetings in San Diego. The draft lottery will also be going on while we're down there as well. So Correct. we'll know. That so we'll know. I think it's a Tuesday. Fourth. Oh, so it's a Sunday. So we'll know before we even get there. Yeah, something happens. It's like the first day. But no one's going to be there really yet. People are coming in. They come in on Sunday, come no, in Monday. December 6th, so that's the Tuesday. We'll be there. What's on the 4th? Something is on the 4th, the first day. I remember. Yeah, you're right. I remember seeing something about that. Let's just see. Uh, hey, I saw a list of the schedule. I saw something. I'm like, we're not there, but what the hell does it matter? We wouldn't be on the air anyway. Uh, let's see if this article has it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards no because I'm very pessimistic on it because we're still in November and we're rolling through. December yeah. 4th. Oh, the Hall of Fame. So oh. we'll, we'll know Bonds and Clemens are getting in. That's even way more important. Can you imagine we're going to arrive? Because we get to San Diego uh, in the morning, right? Yeah. Can you imagine we arrive at the baseball baseball winter meetings at the Manchester High? It's beautiful. Right on the water there. It's about, what, four blocks from Petco Park? Yeah. We arrive there and Bonds and Clemens are in the Hall of Fame? Oh, my God, that is going to be juicy. That's what I saw yesterday. I can't remember. Oh, it was Jim Bowden edited in his article, Predictions. If we get to the winter meetings, it's not going to – don't even bring up Carlos Correa. Don't even bring up <laughs> Judge. Don't bring up DeGrom. Don't bring up any – but Rizzo's off the table now. He's a Yankee. Clayton Kershaw – well, Rizzo's staying with the Yankees. Kershaw staying with the Dodgers. Any big name you can think about will not matter. There will be not. I'm telling you right now, as much as we've played up Aaron Judge and where he's going to go, does he stay with the Yankees? Is he going to go to, like, the Mets, the Giants, the Dodgers? Uh, we had our expert all right, on Monday. Who do we have on Monday? Our guy breaks all the – Oh, Robert Murray? Robert Murray. From, from Fansided. From Fansided said, look out for the Rangers. Wherever Aaron Judge goes, it absolutely will go a little higher with that. Yeah, I like to get the stadium. We can push the helmet back. If you haven't noticed, we got the new tarp behind us. Look how slick that is. Move over. Ricky Henderson Field. Huh? You see this, folks? Stepping our game up. But I'm telling you right now. It will not matter. Aaron Judge, his 62 home runs, his legacy in baseball, all of that hoopla that we're going to talk about will be dwarfed if Bonds and Clemens get into the Hall of Fame. Through the – what? it's not the Veterans Committee. It's, it's the, the, uh, the MLB Hall of Fame. It's the contemporary baseball era. The now. old guy committee, let's just call it. I, th I think it's from 1980 on. Oh, uh, 
<laughs> Can you imagine? It literally and 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 will they have Bonds and Clemens show up? Well, it's not a far flight for Barry Bonds to come down. Because usually when guys get, like, called and they get it, they end up showing up for a press conference. Because you're going to have, if that happens on Sunday, you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to have them come in and do a press conference. It may be the biggest press conference in the history of the winter meetings. Am I? I'm not overselling that. No, it'll be bigger than when we were there a couple of years ago and Garrett Cole signed and Yes Network went nuts. There's been more talk, more print that has gone on about Bonds and Clemens and the Hall of Fame than most any issues that we have seen in our sport. I mean, that will be wild. Can you imagine Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens walking through the lobby at the Manchester Hyatt going towards a press conference. Do you know how hard it will be to get into that press conference? Everybody in the world will want to be in that thing. And you have all the biggest names in baseball media there. You have A's cast, obviously. And then you're going to have every guy there. Oh, that will be incredible. Thing that I want to start out with today. Oh, some other news. Jock Peterson has accepted um, qualifying offer. the qualifying offer and Martin Perez for the Rangers, nineteen point six five million. They've accepted only; they're the only two guys. Everybody else has rejected it. So now, the way the new CBA works is, if you're a big money club, you can lose a second and I want to say a fifth rounder. Yeah, I think the way it worked, the Dodgers would get, uh, not the Dodgers. Um, someone would get it. Yeah, I the think Yankees. A- if Aaron Judge signs, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a you get a pick. I forget how the. I saw something about the second. The Dodgers would get a fourth. No big was, market club oh, only here, get like a third. Angels will lose their okay. So the Angels, Angels yesterday signed Tyler Anderson three years, thirty nine so, million. Yeah, if you spend Angels, a lot of money, Angels will hold lose. On. Okay, if you're a big market club who spends a lot of money and you sign one of these guys, this is what you lose. Angels will lose their second round pick, while the Dodgers get a pick after the fourth round. No, Angels will lose a second, like a fifth round. Uh, yeah, from what I got from Rosenthal, or Joel Sherman, second-round pick, and then the Dodgers get a pick after the fourth. And then if you're a small, like if you're the A's and you sign one of these guys, I think you only lose a third-round pick. But whatever, Jock Peterson, Martin Perez, they accept the offer. All there right. A, there was a trade today, too. I don't know if you saw it. No. Uh, all-star Teoscar Hernandez got traded from the Blue Jays to the Seattle Mariners for really? Eric Swanson and lefty pitching prospect Adam Macko. Hernandez is 30, two-time silver slugger, career 262 hitter, 133 career home runs, and seven seasons over Toronto and Houston. So he's going to Seattle. Good year last year, 25 home runs, and an 807 OPS on free agent after next year. So the rumors, according to J.P. Barossi, Blue Jays are looking at Brandon Nimmo to potentially fill in their outfield with, to go along with Springer. So He's going to get paid. Because yeah, so there, there, there are a few positions out there that if he – it's one of those years where, like, if you're a shortstop, not so great. But if you're an outfielder, you don't have a whole lot of competition. And Nemo could be a guy that, eh, is he really a center fielder? Could he switch over to a corner outfielder? How will he age? I don't know, but he's in a year where he is going to get paid. In my hand, I've, I've, I've highlighted it. We've gone over it. 
and it is fascinating. Now, I understand you guys are not going to be grinding the baseball offseason like we are. That's why we're here for you. We got you Monday, Wednesday, Friday, two hours, catch you up on everything what that's going on. Jeff Passan has done a incredible job, and it's a fantastic article. The title of the article is Inside the Champion Astros, Behind the Seams Turmoil. And you're like, turmoil? How do you have turmoil when you've been to the ALCS six straight years? You've been to four World Series. You've won two. Now, obviously, the turmoil, you think, well, I mean, the cheating scandal's behind them. What turmoil are you talking about? Well, of course, James Click, their general manager, went to Las Vegas to represent the Houston Astros as the leader of their franchise. And while he was there, he was told to go kick rocks. He was only offered a one-year deal. He thought that was unacceptable. The owner, Jim Crane, went, great, see you later. We'll replace you. So a guy who just won the World Series went to Las Vegas to represent the Astros, and he's gone. Crazy, right? Well, this is a whole article. You can see it on ESPN.com, Jeff Passan, obviously one of the best, where it really dissects what is going on with the Astros. And if you're someone like me, I believe everything that I read on the Internet. (laughs) And I so want this to all be true. I so want all of this to derail the juggernaut that we know of right now is the Houston Astros. I can't tell you how, like, happy I was. Like, last night, I was reading this. I printed it. I highlighted it. I I haven't been this excited in a long time to know that is there now a chance the Astros could fall apart? I'm not banking on it. I'm not putting my college, my kid's college fund on it. But, boy, if you're saying there's a chance, I'm excited. But before I get too excited, let me explain something. Having covered a lot of different sports, basically you have an owner that believed in a system of tearing, buying a team, tearing it all down, and building it up, and it worked. Now, whether or not during this time, Jim Crane knew about the cheating scandal that was going on underneath him inside his franchise. We'll never know. But he had to deal with it. He obviously respected A.J. Hinch. He obviously respected Jeffrey Lunau. He liked him. This article talks about how much he liked Lunau. But he had to immediately fire him. He got fined $5 bucks, the most uh, baseball can fine a team. He lost draft picks. He basically was sanctioned. There was clearly a deal worked out with him in baseball because immediately when the stuff came down, the penalty came down, those guys were fired. There was clearly, that's how it works, New York, Manfred, Commissioner's Office, Houston Astros. And remember, as soon as those guys were fired, everybody was in front of the uh, press in a suit doing a press conference, right? Remember that? Yeah. 
So those press conferences just – Jim Crane wasn't hanging around that day in a suit around the office. This is a billionaire who's got companies. Uh, this was all planned, right? But when they went to spring training, which – are they in Kissimmee or where the hell are they in spring training? Uh, it's not it's up Fort Myers. I know that's the right yeah. output. So when they did that, hire Dusty Baker – Jim Crane does the press conference with Dusty, Altuve, Bregman. They come out. Crane said at that time, remember watching it, I'm going to take more of a hands-on approach with the team. He told you what he was going to do. My franchise, sorry, I'm going to clean it up. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to continue to win. Everything he said he was going to do, he's done. And now what they're trying to do in Houston, is paint the owner as the villain. It's kind of interesting because we, as the sporting public, what do we want from our owners? You have you have you have all kinds of different owners, right? You got owners that have a ton of money. It's an investment, and you never ever ever see them. Charles Johnson of the Giants is a great example. Lives in Florida. The only time we hear about him is when he contributes to a Republican or the Republican Party and the Chronicle flips out because they're all liberals, right? That's the only time you hear about Charles Johnson. You don't see him on NBC Sports Bay Area. You don't see him at games. You don't hear him on KMBR. You don't hear anything from the guy. You don't even see quotes in the <laughs> you don't even see quotes in the paper. It's only about politics that the Chronicle brings him up. You know, our owner, John Fisher, rarely, if ever, talks. You see him at games. If you don't know it, he's at games. He's behind home plate. You can see him there all the time. I've seen him at games all the time. Our owner's there. He just doesn't talk to the public. So you've got owners that are out of sight, but they're involved. I don't think Charles Johnson's involved at all. I think he'd be the example of or the um, – the Japanese billionaire who owned Nintendo, who used the first time we went to Japan in 12. That guy still lived in Japan, owned the Mariners, could not care less about the, the Mariners at all. It was just, he owned the Mariners. What the hell was it? I can't remember. Yaga, Yamaguchi? Y- Yama, Yamayushi? Yamauchi? Hiroshi Yama, Yamayushi. I'm God, you're butchering that. So am I. Y-M-A-A-U-C-H-I, if anyone can, if anyone can phonetically spell that for me. So when we went back there in 2012, he was nowhere to be seen. I mean, this guy. So there are these billionaire guys that have really nothing to do with their teams. It's an investment, right? Which is their prerogative. They bought the team. They can do whatever the hell they want with it. Then you have guys that are just not going to be in the press, like our owner, John Fisher. And then you're going to have guys that are like Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, who Jerry Jones not only owns the team, he's the general manager. Where did Jerry Jones learn how to run a team? When I point at you. I know. I'm trying to. I, you, you, I don't know the you, answer. You saw Moneyball, right? Yeah, but I don't know the answer. When I point at you, it means you go. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know the answer. Al Davis. Jerry Jones, Al Davis raised Jerry Jones. When Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys, it was Al Davis who Jerry Jones went to for a lot of advice. Who ran their team as an owner more than any owner in the history of professional sports? Al Davis. That would, I do know that one. <laughs> now, the difference is, is Al Davis was a football coach. 
that's very true. He came up as a real football coach. Al Davis had real jobs. In the AFL. Al Davis coached at a, a little school that won a lot of championships called USC, right? Al Davis was a real football coach. He coached with the – who did he coach before he coached the Raiders? Uh, That'd I, be the San Diego Chargers. Oh, okay. He went from USC – you've heard of them. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're now the L.A. Chargers. So he got into pro football and then became the head coach of the Raiders. And won. So it's not like Al Davis. That's the whole thing that people forget, that Al Davis was a real professional football coach before he came owner. So he knew what the hell he was talking about, right? He was a really good coach. So in this article, they talk about how Crane wants to be like Jerry Jones. And they're making it out, the people in Houston, and you played a clip for me from a Houston sports radio station like this is a bad thing. Now, you can judge Jerry Jones all you want. Jerry Jones has built the Cowboys into a global brand. I mean, they were, you know, they became America's team, but he's built them into a global brand. They're worth, I don't even know if you put the Cowboys up for sale, what they'd be worth. $10 billion? It'd be over $10 billion. I don't care what Forbes says. They'd, they'd go for whatever. I'm curious. I think they are the most, uh, well, obviously, let's see. According to Wikipedia, they're worth eight billion dollars. See, I, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. It, they'd go for over ten. They're they're rated the most valued franchise in the National Football League, which happens to be the biggest league in the United States, which happens to be bigger than any other thing in, in the entertainment business. There's nothing in our country. If you wrapped everything in one bubble called the entertainment business, music, television. Movies, now video games are in there. Nothing is bigger than the NFL. Nothing. And they are the top dog. So if you're saying, well, he wants to be like Jerry Jones, I don't know. Guys want guys been to six ALCSs, four World Series, one, two. He's doing a pretty damn good job. And now I know a lot of people, I don't want like, what do you want from your owner? Do you want your owner to never be present? Do you want your owner to run everything? What do you want? Because I look here in the Bay Area, I'll bring up I'll bring up a couple beloved guys, and one's going right now. His name's Joe Lacob. Joe Lacob is omnipresent with the Golden State Warriors, and he's in the rooms making decisions. You have no problem with that, Bay Area fans. We as Warrior fans are like, Cool. Joe Lacob wins. They win titles. Joe Lacob cares. Goober's down in L.A. doing whatever Goober does. Joe Lacob's here. He's a Sand Hill venture capitalist guy. Sand Hill, if you don't know, is off 280, where all the VCs are, all the billionaire investors are. Menlo Park. Right, right, Stanford. Right next to Stanford. Menlo's a little north. But that's, that's who Joe Lacob is. He's a VC, a venture capitalist. And he runs his company. And one of those companies is, well, the other companies he just invest. But the company is Golden State Warriors, and he's hands-on. And no one, has anybody complained? No, wasn't he the former, like, part owner of the Celtics, too? He had, or, like, a small piece. Before he bought the Warriors, yeah. So he's had, I mean, yeah, no one complains about So Joe what's Lacob. the problem? If we don't have a problem with Lakeham, how do you have a problem with Crane? 
I mean, I mean seriously, you got a problem with Jerry Jones because he hasn't won a Super Bowl since I was in college? Yeah, was it 94 when they beat the Steelers? Neil but, O'Donnell and the Pittsburgh Steelers, mind you. Not Cordell Stewart or Bobby Brewster or – that would have been the 94 season, 95 yep. Super Bowl, because the Niners won the 94 Super Bowl, but it was the 93 season? Sounds right. That was when they had Dion, correct? Correct. But, you know, what do you want from your owner? And now, I mean, this thing's flying about all the opinions, and uh, he's a tough guy to work for, blah, blah, blah. And now they're even throwing Reggie Jackson and Jeff Bagwell under the bus in this one. Reggie Jackson, who joined the Astros in 2021 as an executive assistant, despite never playing for the organization, yelled at members of the team's front office this year and later would apologize. Now, I, I want to defend these Astros employees. We're A's cast. You're watching A's cast live. Our boss... The great DA, as I like to call him, was just in Las Vegas at the rights holders meetings. And like we told you about 2019, you had all these teams come to us going, hey, what you guys are doing is incredible. He just experienced that in Las Vegas. So if we're doing this thing that's innovative, we're the only team doing it, it's really, really special in baseball, and once again, all 29 teams just told our boss in Las Vegas how, because they did a presentation about what we're doing. All the teams talk about how cool what we're doing. So knowing that, if we had some guy from, man, when's the last time Reggie Jackson played? It's in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't his last team the A's? Yeah, it was the late, late, late 80s. Uh, Can't let's... be that late. It's not that late. 1987, he was at 41 years old. He played for the A's. See what I'm saying? He just missed out on playing for, in the World Series the year If later. you had a guy come to us who said who was who was a, a radio legend in the 70s. Let's call Reggie a legend from the 70s. Reggie's best years were in the 70s. Fair, correct. If we had a radio legend from the 70s. Mike and Mad Dog, they're not. Uh, they're more. Recent. No, 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 no. I mean, they, they were the Godfathers of sports talk. So. No, we're talking the seventies. I don't know if there really was a sports talk. Guy. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> Bill King with the Warriors. I mean, no, we're talking. We, we, we're talking not a play-by-play guy. We're talking someone who did news radio. I mean, it, there wasn't even really sports talk radio. That's what I'm talking. It would be like a guy from the seventies coming in trying to tell us what to do. Now, let's go with Edward R. Morrow. Let's go with him. I would have respect for somebody who's been successful in the medium of radio. That's what I came up in. I'd have respect, but if he started yelling at me, telling me what to do, I'd tell him to go pound sand. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Can you imagine Reggie Jackson yelling? You're a part of a front office that continues to win every year, and Reggie Jackson, who hasn't won anything since, what, 81 was the last time the Yankees won? Yeah, they, uh, they won in 81. Phillies won in 80. Wasn't 81 the Dodgers? Was it the Dodgers with 82? When's the last time the Yankees won? With Reggie Jackson, by the way, not the Jeter Yankees. Yeah, not, not, not the dynasty. Let's see. I'll pull it up real quick. The last the Yankees won a World Series in 19. 19- Go up. Go with up. Reggie, 77 and no, 78. He won, they won in the 80s. No. Right? 
Dodgers, Cardinals, Orioles, Tigers. No, they didn't win in the 80s. So, 78, he 78. played in the 81. All right. Yeah. He hasn't won something since 78. And he's going to come tell you how to run an organization? What's he going to bring up? Charlie Finley running the team from Chicago? I mean, seriously. You got Jeff Bagwell, who's in the ear, another Hall of Famer, uh, in Jim Crane's ear, supposedly talking about the player development system. Now, if there was one thing that you could criticize, are we having Vince on? Yeah, he says he's in the room, but he's not in the room. (laughs) So if you're going to criticize the Houston Astros for anything, would it be their their player development? No. I asked you the question. Do you know they got 13 outs from guys that were drafted? Do you know who that was during the World Series? They got 13 outs. They, wait, they got 13 outs? They got 13 outs in the World Series from guys that were drafted. Do you know who that was? Uh, well, I broke down all the outs they got from every guy, including international drafting or signings. I would go with Lance McCullers Jr. That's it. The rest of the guys were international. That's it. So you're going to criticize all these international signings? Uh, by the way, the ALCS and NLCS, the ALCS and the World Series MVP is Jeremy Pena? You're going to – Jeff Bagwell's going to be criticizing their development? Yeah. That's insane. Jordan Alvarez, Tucker. <laughs> who are these – Get to, take your Hall of Fame ass and get out of here. But that's who Jim – Jim Crane supposedly – Wants to bring more. And we're hearing this in the game. We'll talk to Vince about this. And we're hearing this more everywhere that owners and franchises want scouting to be more back involved. That they went so far off the deep end with just analytics that they're realizing like, eh, you know what? Scouting players, character, finding out about guys, and just using numbers may not be the total way to go. But uh, part of something that, you know, if I would have told, I know you're busy. Yeah, I'm trying to, but go ahead, I'm listening. But if I would have told you, why, why did Carlos Correa, if you didn't read this article, if I could just zap it out of your brain and just ask you, you don't get to see this. Mm-hmm. Why did Carlos Correa not sign with the Astros? Money. No, but why? Who, what would be the reason why? Why would the Astros not sign him? I would just go with money. Yeah, well, Jeffrey Luna's not there. Now, AJ Hinch. Now reading this. Oh, now we have Vince. Now reading this, it's obviously Jim Crane. Oh well, that's a fair point. And then reading Rosenthal's article about what's going on, you know who you know who negotiated, you know the tough life of Justin Verlander. You know who negotiated Verlander's deal while he was in Italy with his supermodel wife, Jim Crane. Jim Crane. It's just interesting. Like they want to paint Jim Crane as the bad guy, but I, like I said, here in the Bay Area. We absolutely love how hands-on the owner is of the Golden State Warriors. How often does he, Joe Lacob get praised for nixing deals, agreeing to signings? We call him a genius. I don't know if I'm Jim Crane. I'm kind of – if I'm an Astros fan, I'm sitting back and I'm going, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it's it's interesting to see when we like owners to be a part of it, when we don't. Sometimes we just want them to write checks and get out of the way. Technically, it is their friend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The great Vince Catronio joins us here on A's Cast Live. Vinny, how are you? I'm good, Tony. Good to see you. Good to see you, Cody. About four and a half hours north of Jim Crane, there's another owner that plays GM. Not quite as successful in another sport, but it does seem like Jim Crane is, like you mentioned, very aggressive. And I mean, six years in the ALCS, two World Series seems to work out. I know Cowboy fans would be begging just to get to one, one Super Bowl for the first time in forever. Yeah, I, this article that was ESPN.com, and, I, you know, it's kind of like trying to paint Crane as this villain guy. But obviously after the scandal and just knowing, having, having worked for the Raiders, knowing how Al Davis ran things, but then on the flip side, and, of course, the Raiders had great success years ago. And then now you look how uh, the Golden State Warriors are run. Joe Lacob is so hands-on. Then you got owners that are so hands-off. It's always interesting to see when fans and when media likes the owners super involved and when they want them to be just in the background. I think the important thing is if you're a fan, I don't care how the I don't care how the sausage is made, just win. And if it means that the owner is very much hands-on and very much involved on an almost day-by-day basis, and that works, uh, don't don't stop doing that. The other way, if 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 it's work with the owner staying in the background, uh, trusting uh, the staff that he's put in place to get the job done, you know, th- they'll take that as well. I, I know that's. Uh, I think from a fan's perspective, that's the way they see it. I don't want to blindside you on this. We started the show with it because we (laughs) we were just talking about um, when we're going to be down at the winter meetings and all the dates because we were talking about the Rule 5 draft is going to happen. We just talked about the guys, um, uh, Harris and Butler, who were protected and the guys who were not. We went through that. And then I said to Cody, wait a minute. Before we get there on the 5th, there's something on the 4th. There's something like what is it? And then, oh, yeah. The Contemporary Veterans Committee, whatever. Can you imagine? Because really everybody's going to show up Sunday night and be ready to rock on Monday morning. Can you imagine on December 4th, right at the start of the winter meetings, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are getting elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame? What that will be like, all these winter meetings. Do you think we've ever seen anything like that before for winter meetings? Well, given the way people have interpreted the way the game has been played for the last two decades, it will be something that uh, there's going to be a lot of lot of conversation about. A lot of conversation from the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, guys that go back, uh, you know, many many years, stars of the you know 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and then guys that in the 90s and 2000s, and what the perception is of somebody like Barry or Roger. I haven't looked 
I don't remember. I know they were close in terms of vote percentage the, the last time. And it seems like when you get to a certain threshold, somewhere in the 65 percent plus, you've got a you've got a pretty good chance to get to 75 percent. Uh, I think to me, you know, the response will be, what, what what will I hear from, again, the old school guys that are all intro- introduced on the dais when they have the uh, introductions in July? I, I know if you watch the, the Willie Mays uh, special on HBO this past couple of days, it was out there. Barry Bonds was heavily involved in that. Barry Bonds was uh, very loquacious, uh, smiling willing to uh, engage. Certainly the, the, the subject had a lot to do with it. He was as close to Willie as it was to his dad, maybe even closer in, in some respects. And he was open and he was willing to talk about those kinds of things. Is that version of Barry Bonds somebody that we're going to see down at San Diego? I, I just don't know. But I think it's uh, it's interesting debate. It's interesting conversation. You know, what they did on the field in a time where a lot of people were involved in a different style of of uh let's say preparing yourself to play the game and, and, and recovering after a game and what they did for you during the game. Uh, every, to me, every era going back to the, you know, to the aughts, you know, to the 1910s all the way up and until where we are today, uh, a century later had issues, whether uh, players of color were not allowed amphetamines were heavily used other things along the lines, uh, different travel, et cetera. Uh, you can make a case that every era has its had its own uh, interpretation of how they played the game previous to to before them. I do think that uh, you know Bonds and Clemens will. I think at some point, if not this time, I think they will eventually reach the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's going to take. Uh, I think it's going to take years. I think it's going to happen pretty pretty quickly. Can you imagine how hard it's going to get that, to be to get into that? Uh press conference there in San Diego if it yeah. happens and those two guys show up? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, they at times they downplay what the Hall of Fame means to them. Let's make no mistake. I mean, yeah. it, it means the world of those guys. We just saw this week Pete Rose again sending a letter of apology to Rob Manford, just begging to to be a part of of, of what it means to, be, to officially call the Hall of Famer, even though so many other people have said, you know, you are a Hall of Famer, Pete. You're a Hall of Famer, Barry. You're a Hall of Famer, Roger. But until you're standing on that dais, until you're making that speech with your peers at the highest level of that hall, which isn't, you know, which is voted on by writers. Let's let's, you know, let's let's be clear about what the Hall of Fame actually is. It's, you know, it's it's put on a certain pedestal by some people. But the reality is it's it's a place where it's voted on by by baseball writers and you get a chance to 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 enrich yourself in baseball history. So, you know, I, I think. Uh, I, I think when I was, I mean, this, this is crazy because what's happening in today's world. When when I was in SID at the University of Central Florida, back in the early '80s, we Fo- had a that, press that's conference. That's football power. Yeah, that's that's right. We're 16th of the country, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but back then, we had a, a press conference that was attended by I would say close to 200 people nationwide. And the reason why Herschel Walker landed via helicopter on our practice field walked into the press conference as a member of the New Jersey Generals and the USFL because they were training at our, at our facility. So I think you're going to see, you're going to see something of that magnitude, you're something that big in terms of every, every type of, not just sports, but I think you'll see people across other ways of, of gathering news will be there as well. 
Uh, the good old days of the USFL. Let's see. <laughs> Steve Young was in L.A. Reggie White was in Tennessee. Oh, the good old days. We uh, had Brian Seif. Brian Seif was with the New Jersey Generals. The great San Diego State Aztec, Brian Seif. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you think about what we just heard from the general manager meetings and David Forrest talked to J.P. Barossi. We all love uh, J.P., great guy. He talked about David, and he talked with David, and David talked about, you know, we're not going to break the bank, but they're going to spend a little more money. So, okay, Vince, we're going to sprinkle a little more money into this thing. What would you like to see the A's do to help us get a little more competitive? Well, I, I think, uh, like David said to, to J.P. Morosi, there are a number of places that you can that you can try to place somebody that, that would give you an improvement. I think uh, at either corner, you have to establish – you know, who's going to be your first baseman or your third baseman? There was some success uh, to a certain degree, a little bit watching Dermis Garcia, one of 12 different guys play first base. Seth Brown right now is probably going to get the lion's share of that time. What's going to happen at third base? V-Mile Machine gave the A's, you know, quality at bats, but not a lot of power, not a lot of range. That doesn't really profile as a first division third baseman, either corner outfielder. I think if somebody out there you could you can look for that has some power. I think you need velocity in your bullpen, and that is certainly something we've talked about for years. That's something that's uh, lacking for the Athletics. I, I don't think there's any spot really, Chris, that that you can't go to and, and say let's if, if let's look at this particular player players and see if they can help. Now the question is is it is it guys that are you know basically four A players anyway that are guys that have been up and down that have a little bit of a baseball resume on the major league level or is it somebody that uh, are you willing to be aggressive and and look at somebody like a Mitch Hanniger who now is looking for work who's from San Jose uh, after Teoscar Hernandez was acquired by the Seattle Mariners he's had injuries to the last three years he made seven million last year uh, that's a lot of money in terms of what the A's have done the past couple of years but would that number stay there would it potentially come down with with uh, with different types of incentives inside that contract what about a guy like a joey gallo same thing hit 160 last year with the yankees and the dodgers did hit 19 home runs the a's didn't love him worked about the coliseum when he was a high school kid in las vegas i'm not saying either one of these are going to happen but those are guys that have had a little more of a of a juicier major league resume are you gonna look for guys like that that are coming off of down years or have had injuries or are you looking simply the guys that have kind of bounced up and down that have had a little bit of success and let those guys plug in as you're waiting for Zach Yeloff, while you're waiting for Tyler Soderstrom, while you're waiting for other players maybe to make their way through the system like like Lawrence uh, Butler or Denzel Clark, uh, guys of that nature. To quote Moneyball, sounds like an Oakland A already. All those names, <laughs> I'll take all of them. We've been floating around. What about Cody Bellinger, opening day? I don't know. We get him opening day. We play him in center first base. I would like to have the option. Sure. I mean, the, the, the question is what other teams are going to look at a guy like that if, he, in fact, he's non-tendered in the next couple of days, which was the rumor last year. And it didn't happen with Cody. Signed a one-year deal. And again, had a struggling year. Certainly has a resume, MVP, Rookie of the Year. Uh, some kid named Dominic Catronio used to broadcast his high school games down here in, in Arizona. So that'd be a great connection for those two guys to get back together. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, it's interesting. You know, what was so different about last year, Chris, was because of the lockout and because the A's were were forced to make deals uh, they, that, that this was the plan they had in place and they were forced to do it in a very cramped situation, getting it done leading into 
And during spring training, as we found out, every one of those players were, were going to be free agents at the end of the year. Now the conversation shifts because there's been uh, some smoke and mirrors out there. Even J.P. Morosi uh, presented that to David about Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy has three years of control. Uh, you have a chance, whether it's Sean Murphy or if you had those players last year in this environment that allowed you to work the phones longer, allowed you to develop a little bit of a, well, this is my offer from this from this team. I can get something better from that team and get that other team to maybe sweeten the pot or specifically somebody you were looking for in a package that wasn't being offered yet. They didn't have that opportunity. They really had to rush through Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, you know, uh, Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya. And then eventually with Frankie Montas during the season, all those guys were going to be gone. This is different. If you're, if, if Sean Murphy is somebody that's being discussed and certainly teams would, would welcome him, boy, you've, you've got to, first of all, he's a tremendous talent and I hate to see him go. I mean, he's top five catcher in baseball for me. If you're going to do that because you feel like Shay Langoliers is, is ready to, to begin that process of establishing himself as a major league catcher, then you, you can't, you can't get that wrong, whatever that means. Does that mean we, we can't get it wrong because we're going to get the what we feel like are these several strong prospects? Or we can't get it wrong because we're going to get one or two guys that are not only going to be major league players on opening day 2023, but guys that you can count on, guys that you expect to be uh, uh, good level performers and maybe even better than that as their careers play on. I, I think that's going to be the conversation that's going to dominate what's happening for the A's with their roster leading up to and into spring training. Yeah, to kind of expand on that, you, you like to explain that in a normal offseason, you're going fishing. And over here, this big pond has some really big fish, right? I mean, that judge fish is the biggest fish I've ever seen. That Correa fish is that. There's some big Rodon, uh, Verlander. You got some big fish over here. A's are not going to fish in that part, in that pond. Now, over here, this smaller pond, I can get some good fish that taste good and can help me out. The problem was last year after the lockout, they closed that pond. Really wasn't around. So right. I, I look at this year being different to try to explain going, you know, everybody's going to be back to just fishing on this big pond, and where we do our best work was kind of closed last year. Now it's back open for us. Right, and certainly the A's have been a team that have have expertly handled that way of doing business and and identifying uh, players and pitchers that could step in and provide you know some consistency to your ball club and eventually make you a winning and playoff team, which they did in you know eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. Now where they are at this point and what they went through in twenty twenty two, losing one hundred and two games and sixty four players and over thirty rookies and you know, 20 rookie pitchers, things of that nature, uh, that that le lends to the idea that it's still going to take some time. So where are you in that process if you're the A's? Are you understanding that we're going to just kind of grind through another year? Because when the A's were struggling in 15, 16, 17, you knew that Chapman was coming. You knew that Olsen was coming and they were going to, you believed, and as it proved to be, they were very good major league players. And they were going to be part of what could make you better. The A's have not identified that, at least not with who they had on the major league roster last year. They, you know, they took a shot with Christian Pache, jury very much out on him coming over from Atlanta. Nick Allen has shown he can defend with a, just about anybody at shortstop. Will he be able to hit? But aside from that, it was a bunch of players that were kind of pieced in there and see can they 
can they you know keep themselves above water so now are you saying boy we want we hope to see Zach Geloff by July if he's healthy maybe Tyler Soderstrom comes to the big leagues in August or September I mean he already got to AAA briefly last year at age 20 he shows power where are they going to play him is he a catcher is he a first baseman do you then maybe even take a step further and say you know what we want to make Tyler Soderstrom our everyday left fielder. And I'm, again, I'm just throwing this out there only because if you like the bat so much and you and you believe the bat can hold its own, you got to find that position for him that fits the A's at a place that he could stay at for years to come. And so I think the question is, where are the A's in, in that in that situation? And then with Ginn and with Hoagland and with uh, also Ryan Cusick, they need innings. They got to pitch. Mason Miller has to pitch. Hogan Harris may be moving forward. Colin Palouse may get some opportunities this year. These young guys have got to have a season. I mean, they only pitched 40 innings each, Cusick and JT Ginn last year. That was a, I don't want to say it was a disaster, but it was certainly unfortunate that the A's, had they as they acquired these players and acquired these pitchers, the idea was let's watch these guys develop because they came out of good college programs, had uh, you know, dynamic arms that maybe, maybe they could push forward and I know this is a reach, but maybe you see them becoming somebody like a Logan Gilbert or George Kirby from Seattle, guys that pitched uh, successfully in college, got a lot of innings in college, and then were fast-tracked through the system, in part because of ability, and certainly a main part of it was health. And that's something that's kind of derailed some of those guys. But still, maybe 2023 is going to be that year where you see those guys excel, stay healthy, rock it through the system, and be poised to be a part of uh, what would be good things to come in 24 and beyond. All right. Look into your crystal ball. <laughs> the, the Vince Catronio crystal ball. Because the rally monkey, your old neighbor, Nolan Ryan right here, we're all <laughs> listening. I would like a big prediction this offseason. What could be happening? What do you see? Give me one big, bold prediction that could happen maybe down in San Diego at the winter meetings. Wow. I mean, that's that's a very loaded question. I don't, to me, I don't think Aaron Judge is going anywhere. I think he's going to be with the Yankees. I, I, I just see that's going to be put together. You mentioned a lot of free agents before. One name you didn't mention was Trey Turner. And I think Trey Turner is a guy that that's going to be interesting. Does he... Does he go east? Does he become a Cardinal? Does he become a Philadelphia Philly? Is that is because he wants to move back toward the East Coast? Or, or, and I know this is a big, this is a big ask because the Angels, as we saw yesterday with Tyler Anderson, uh, they've got Rendon now supposedly healthy at second base. Do they go aggressive and go after Trey Turner to be their shortstop? They've got a hole there certainly to put Fletcher at second base. So we'll we'll. We'll, we'll see, you know, how aggressive a team that's for sale with a manager that was an interim manager last year that was basically given the job this year in part because the team's in, you know, kind of in a waiting period of who's going to own the team moving forward. Uh, Trey Turner, to me, is going to be, the I think, as interesting a guy as anybody for the winter meetings. The Rally Monkey has a question. He asked, <laughs> can Trey Turner pitch too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end on this. Did you see MLB Now today? I did not. I'm not I'm not a big MLB Now fan. Okay, there's a trivia question. I did not get this right. 
and it's going to shock you. It's it's almost pathetic. Go ahead, give Vince a question. Let's see if he gets it right. Uh, Vince, which team had the fewest amount of games where a pitcher won a hundred pitches? It's sad, Vince. It really is. It's like I can't even believe we're asking this question. Uh, team with the fewest number of starts were what less than a hundred pitches. Yeah, team with the fewest starts of at least a hundred pitches in twenty twenty two. I'm guessing it's the green and gold. That is close. Not, that I is, guess that too. Yeah, because we watch it and I what? He's only at sixty nine pitches. I was with you. The A's actually had uh, when we pulled up real quick. The A's had. 16 different times where a guy won at least 100 pitches. 16. We only had 16. There's <laughs> a, the team that had three is a team that models themselves like us. That'd be the Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay Rays. Can you, name the, Bay Rays? can you name the two guys that have done it? One guy did it twice, and there's one other guy. For for the Rays, uh, 100 pitches? Let's see. Uh, uh, did McClanahan do it? He did it twice, so you got to get the other guy. And, uh, well, Tony didn't get it. I, didn't get I would have never guessed this guy either. Ryan Yarborough just by – by mistake? Uh, not the guy that was just recently DFA'd. No, the answer is Jeffrey Springs is the other guy. Didn't oh, Yar- okay. Yarborough almost threw a the perfect game? He didn't have 100 pitches in that game? Uh, no. It was oh, just three guys. The Diamond or the Dodgers sad. were second with six. The Pirates were third with nine. Well, Tony, let me ask you this, because I know you've, you've harped on this for a while, and we are where we are in terms of how the game is played and how the game is managed or how they look at before the first pitch is thrown, how they want to see that game move forward. How did you look at the postseason this year from that perspective? I went back and looked at the postseason starts, and I was surprised to see, especially early with the wild card rounds, that there were more six-inning starts than I had thought there were going to be, six and seven. Luis Castillo, Joe Musgrove, even Zach Wheeler did it three times. I was surprised because of all this noise about – Guys are going two or three innings. I know Syndergaard, you know, he, he struggled in Ranger Suarez and things of that nature. And, you know, Verlander had a, a bad start in, in the first round of their playoffs. But what did you see? Did it give you any any hope that a good pitching staff, like we saw that that, that got as far as they did, actually stayed with their starters? You Darvish did it a couple of times for the Padres as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, you, you know what I was thinking about that, Vince? And the answer for me is – Look who's running their franchises. As Bob Melvin has told me, A.J. Preller, a former scout, they blend analytics with a whole lot of scouting. If you look at the certain teams, you don't look at Philadelphia, Dave Dombrowski. You start looking at the teams, you start going, huh, it's what this article is about the Astros. Jim Crane, your old buddy Jeff Bagwell, he wants to start mixing more scouting in with the analytics. So, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised you don't see the Dodgers do that at all. And when the Dodgers are in their last game and they're getting thrown out of the playoffs, they got a bunch of guys coming out of the bullpen making seven hundred and twenty or seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But yet the teams that have more scouting involved, their pitchers went longer in the postseason. So it doesn't shock me. And maybe just maybe I don't know. We'll have to wait. Now that there's a lot of different people talking about, eh, you know, we got to get kind of get more of a balance than just all analytics, all scripted. Maybe just maybe we'll see a little more of it. Maybe. Well, I mean, it's a copycat league, right? We'll see if that's a, a, a path that would have a little more reach than what we've seen the past couple of years. I don't think it's going to go back to the, you know, to the 70s and 80s, but right. I think it has a chance to, to have a little more uh, of, of, Teams that have good starters that they're willing to let them go, you know, through six innings. By the way, a little little love to the folks at Last Dive Bar today. 
Uh, it's a little chilly here in Phoenix. It's it's about 67 degrees. I had to wear a hoodie today. Six, oh, Safe. my God. You guys hunkered in at 67? <laughs> we did. <laughs> you guys, are, you, are, are your animals able to go out and go to the bathroom? <laughs> I had to put blankets over all the plants outside to make sure they didn't freeze the whole nine yards. Uh, how's that power draw coming? Uh, I've played one round of golf since I've been home. What? One round. Hit balls a few times. Shot 81, which was good on the home course. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll play a little bit. I reached out to uh, Mike Gallego. We're going to try to play golf uh, sometime soon. Reached out to Joe Madden. We're going to play golf at some point in the in early uh, in early December. Heading to Italy next week with my wife for two weeks. So, uh, uh, 30 years of the making honeymoon for us. So, we're looking forward to that. By the way, be very afraid of gags. Remember, we have learned that he, he bought a new oh, place and it has a golf simulator in it. I know. He's down the street from me. I would be very ad- – if he says, hey, you want to play for anything, say no. He's sandbagging <laughs> Well, Mike you. Trout, a couple of years ago, Trout got all the all the coaches fitted for PXG and bought them PXG clubs down here in Phoenix. So, yeah, he's, he's locked and loaded. I know what I'm dealing with when I see gags. He'll be smiling all the way to try to get into my wallet. Well, we'll be there for fantasy camp. We expect to see you and play you with will. you. I'll be out there for sure. We'll have some fun. Italy for how how many days are you going? Uh, two weeks. Oh, that's nice. Not quite, you know, becoming the mayor of Iceland like like Cody <laughs> did on his honeymoon. You mean, but, uh, you mean Cody this, taking a month a month off during the season? Good to be Cody. Yeah, it went well. I mean, the team was, was not performing well, so it was a good time to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy the honeymoon. Tell your wife you. I said hello, and we'll see you in January. Well, we'll Sounds probably, great. We'll probably good talking ta- to you guys. We'll probably call you during the winter meeting, so. I'll be around. All right, buddy. Be well. The great Vince Catronio. He's only played golf once. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. No, if you ask Korak that, it'd be I played golf once today already. Yeah, uh, I mean, Vince, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm averaging a lot of rounds. Vince brought up. Um, he mentioned. You know what? I deserve it. By the way, I deserve it because I was thinking about that. These guys, play by play guys, talking about ah, oh, they do three. How how long's the game? The average game was like three hours and four minutes or something. How long is A's cast live? Uh, during the season, an hour and a half. That's when, it? Well, when we're on the field, we go from 4 to 5.30. Okay. How long is pregame? An hour. How long is postgame? Usually an hour. So you're looking oh, at It's usually well over an hour. So you're looking at three, three and a half to four hours. Yeah, I'm doing more than they are every day. So if they get to end, they don't do anything in the offseason. So, do I deserve to play a little golf? Yeah. A little R&R? I don't get to go to Iceland for a month. And well, Munich or wherever the hell you went to uh, Germany. That, that'd be, that would be the great country of Ireland. We okay, went you went to Ireland. I don't get a chance to go all over Europe. I get the all-star break. Thanks. My, my, wife, the other day, my wife the other day asked me, she goes, oh, by the way, I'm booking a cruise in February. I'm going to spring training. Sorry, I can't go. And then there was another one that's coming up. Are oh, going to February? Uh, well, it's go- that's right around when spring training starts. Okay, yeah. And then the other one, there was something coming up. I think it was over the weekend of fantasy camp. She goes, "Oh, it's my friend's, it's my friend's husband's uh, birthday, and it's uh, in Tahoe." And I'm like, "Well, I can probably make it for the last couple days, but I can't go the first day." She's gonna gotta get used to you work for a major league baseball team. We do things throughout the year, and especially during the season. Sorry, you know how many times I've had to say, "Oh, it's so and so's birthday." Oh, it's the, the- oh, they're going to Vegas. Oh, they're gonna. Sorry, can't go. That's how it works. Luckily, now we figured it out how to remotely broadcast. We can figure things out going forward, but 
You mean I can and you take the time off, but I still have to work? No, like I'm I'm going someone fills in for you. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna I'm gonna work from Pittsburgh when the A's play in Pittsburgh this year. From PNC Park. That'll uh, be that'll be fun. Yeah, that will be. That'll you, be you're going to PNC Park? Uh we play the I think it's like the fourth, fifth, and sixth of June. The A's are in Pittsburgh and I'm gonna go back. My obviously my family still my parents live right outside of Pittsburgh, so I'll go back there. Work the series. Maybe then, we should get on that trip. I'd like. I've, that is one of the ballparks I have not been to. It's a great town. Mickey Morbido. Let's hook this thing up live from. It's not like we're gonna have a hard time finding space to broadcast at PNC Park. I would say shots fired, but you're correct. Oakland. <laughs> it's basically Oakland, uh, of central the, of the country yeah. right now. Okay. But, but real quick, I was gonna say Vince mentioned the six innings. 27 times in the postseason, a guy won at least six innings. Yeah, 11 totally. times, seven or more. But do you hear my point? Look at the front offices. Oh, yeah. The Astros were at the forefront with Framber and Verlander. But look at the, the – you Dombrowski. Got, Click is not Lunau. Preller in San Diego is a scouting guy. Dombrowski's a scout. Sc- like it's – there was – there was more of an old-school mentality running franchises in the playoffs than maybe, you know. That we've seen in a while, yeah. And then, of course, the Yankees, if you're going to pay Garrett Cole all that money, his ass better go six. I can't wait till next year when Verlander's pitching for the Dodgers and they tell him you can only go five innings. Four and <laughs> a third, you're out. Here. What? Can you imagine Dave Roberts coming out three and two-thirds? Hey, great start, buddy. Uh, I, meant to, I meant to pull that up, and I don't know if you were – Trying to throw it to a break, but yes. Okay, well, I'll do it when we come back. Then what? We can look and see who the six guys the Dodgers use this year that could go a hundred pitches. But I want to tell you why I'm looking at these. You, you might mention, hey, you guys haven't really talked about manager of the year. Oh, you want to know why? You know why some of these postseason war? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you next. We'll do what Cody said, but I'm gonna tell you next. Some of these awards, they've turned it. Maybe they've always been a joke, and I just didn't care. It's a joke. It's a joke. To quote my good friend, Matt Steinmetz, it's a joke. I couldn't even believe yesterday when it popped up. I couldn't even believe. I'm like, really? It just goes to show these writers cover their team. They know their team. And in the end, they really don't know the leagues. We'll talk about and, and also how they are trying to sell Verlander today. What and I agree Verlander should win it, but how they are trying to sell Verlander today, if that's trying to grow the game, wait till you hear what I have for you next, right here on A's Cast Live. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oakland Athletics spring training is right around the corner and you can be part of the excitement. 
Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. That is right, it is A's Cast Live. Alrighty. Bobby Evans, three-time World Series champion, executive, will join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. I want to bring this up. How does the guy that takes over a team that has the biggest payroll, gags in the end, they have the lead the entire, basically from like there's a point from like April till they played that series in Atlanta, the biggest series of the year for them. On the road in Atlanta, Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett, all pitched. Your top three guys that we were all supposed to be so scared of. Ooh, DeGrom's back. And you got swept. Now let's go over this again. You take over a team, super talented. They throw a ton of money into it. It's the highest payroll in all of baseball. You have the lead from point in April what time? When did we start? Because the lockout, we started that. April 7th or 8th. Yeah, it was like April 19th. It was right when the Masters started. It was like April 19th all the way to whatever. They had the lead, and then they lost it. Your team gagged it down the stretch. Ten and a half game lead they blew. In the meantime, Atlanta catches you. Philadelphia, they fire their manager because they're done. And what do they do? They come crawling all the way back to get into the postseason. And the national media, whoever, I don't know, because what happens is, is like, you get to pick AL, NL, MVP. You get, they've spread it around the writers, right? So some people get Rookie of the Year. Some people get Cy Young. Some people get MVP, blah, 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 blah. I think I took a picture of how the voting works. Let me make sure. Maybe, or unless it was Rookie of the Year. Well, not everybody. You don't get to vote on every single thing. Yeah, I think I, I think I took a picture of rookie of the year, um, and actually I don't even have it. They were, but MLB Network broke down who votes for these awards. Um, yeah, I don't have it. I thought I did. So you vote Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter. Let me get this straight. And great for Buck. Buck seems like a good guy. I've interviewed him before. Everybody who knows him says he's he's fantastic. Buck Showalter. Now, he's done it with four different teams. No one's ever done that before. That's great. Four different decades, too. Four different decades. That's great. (laughs) The guy took over 
the team that had the highest payroll in baseball, gagged it down the stretch. Of course, postseason doesn't matter. Gagged it home in the postseason, and he's walking away with the manager of the year award. Explain to me how that seems right to you. It doesn't because we talked about it. Rob Thompson should have been in. He should have been there. He should have won it. Should have won it. The Phillies were 22-29 and when he took over as the interim manager, and they went 65-46 and down the stretch and completely flipped around their run differential. This is – well, the team that barely had anyone starting behind them behind Wheeler and Nola, a bullpen that struggled. Bryce Harper, who's having UCL surgery. We don't know when he'll be back in 2023. It'll probably be early. But he's having that surgery done to fix his elbow. Only DHing, and he missed time to win, to winning uh, to make it to the playoffs, going all the way through and reaching the World Series and losing in six games to the Astros. That guy doesn't get a chance. Bob Melvin doesn't get a chance to take the, what the Padres. Bob could have won it again. I mean, he can win it every year, but – what he did in San Diego, I mean, but well, because they've been doing that all the time in San Diego before Bob got there. Yeah, they, they, they've been a playoff team. How many years when, uh, before Bob got there? If we don't count the twenty twenty season, where two thousand six was yeah, the that last, was the last time? time they got in. So there's a lot of even your guy Ollie Marmol. I mean, rookie manager won. He won the division. Took him to the garbage, playoffs. Garbage. Uh, I mean, if Dave Roberts finished second. That guy's a puppet. Might as well give it to Andrew Friedman. <laughs> you texted me that yesterday. It was pretty funny. Did you like that? Yeah, that was good. That's my that's my idea for manager of the year. So instead of these managers who have no decision making skills whatsoever, I don't know. To be honest with you, it is really fair. I have no idea if Dave Roberts is a good manager or not. I have no idea. Like we literally, like how like guys seem to like him. I mean that's that's a big part of the job, right? The continuity in the clubhouse, and you've got to you got to control the human beings, as I like to say. And someone's got to be the mature adult at the front of the plane, the bus, the hotel. Someone's got to lead the charge. But do do I honestly know, from a standpoint of feel of the game, knowing the game, how to use the right guys, how to get what's best out of how all of that? Do I know if Dave Roberts? after all these years, is actually a good manager? I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting, you know, X amount of time will go by, and you'll be able, you know, because Dodger players will talk, and, you know, Dave Roberts is a good guy. We know that. He's been a good guy for a long time. But as someone who's a manager of men, um, I think that would probably be his strength, maybe, his relationships with the players. But actually managing the team, managing the game, winning games. Well, they won 110 or 111. 111. They won 111 games, Chris. Look at all the games they won. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, this is a guy that. He's won 100 games in his career four times right at the Dodgers. 100 or more. Yeah, but, but everybody knows he's not making decisions. 632 winning percentage. Now, you could say a head football coach, what decisions does he make? That's fine, because the coordinators, and that this is the kind of thing that we have to be fair and blend. We love football, right? Well, the head coaches normally aren't calling plays. The coordinators, offense, defense, they implement the game plan, they call the plays. Head coaches, they can recommend stuff. Head coaches can onside kick. Head coaches decide, punt, kick. Field goal, go for two. Head coaches decide that, right? There, there's, and they could say, "Hey, you know, you can get on the headset and you can say to your offensive coordinator, you sob, run the foot." I mean, they can, 
But for the most part, but there are. There are, you know, like Shanahan here in San Francisco, McVay in L.A. Kingsbury, they're, yeah. They're calling the offensive plays, but doesn't doesn't always mean like Harbaugh in uh, Baltimore, he doesn't call plays, and that guy's done nothing but win a Super Bowl and been successful forever. Yeah, they've been great. So head coaches don't always call the play, but everything in football is scripted. I mean, football is like one of the most scripted because – You've got your sheet. You see them there, and they put their hands over and X Y four ninety nine dive right. Every play, everything's scripted in football. You have your third. You have your what you like to run on first down, what you like to run on third down, what you run on goal line. So a lot of sports are scripted. You got play like in basketball. You hear basketball coaches putting up the one or yelling. They they have offenses they want you to run. You have your system. You know we just got done. With the whole Jordan thing, it's the triangle and Tex Winter. I mean, they had the triangle. They have a system that they run. But Dave Roberts, is he a good manager? I mean, could Cody step in there and win 100 games as the Dodger manager? Because you're doing everything Andrew Friedman and his guys want. Pitchers aren't pitching deep in the games. I mean, you're not making that decision. So does that warrant you to get second place? I mean, I really look at first place and second place and go, what are we talking about here? You got one guy who's got the highest payroll, whose team gagged. You got the second guy. Where are the Dodgers in payroll? Second or third? Uh, I think they the Dodgers uh, second. Then I think if they weren't, I thought they were first, but they are. Maybe they were second. Yeah, the Mets overtook them. So if the so you, so the Dodgers second in payroll, and we know the guys the guys a puppet. They're going one and two. Is anybody not following this game? Well, let me. The, the thing has on 2023. I'll go to 2022 and we'll see. I but it, I think it was Dodgers or it was Mets Dodgers and then it was Mets Dodgers Yankees Phillies Padres were top five. I'm I'm just looking at the payroll. The Phillies thing. Hey, Rob Thompson took a team that stunk. They fired the manager. He turned it around. Bob Melvin took a franchise of losers. The Padres are losers and took them to the NLCS, but got them into the postseason. Now, obviously, the voting is only for the regular season. So let's focus on the regular season. What the hell does Dave Roberts do? And every year we talk about Dave. This is how ridiculous this is. Every single year we talk about Dave Roberts winning and will he be back the next year? Yeah, it's true. Why do we do that? Well, because we know he's not making any decisions. The other, the other, the if you go to the if you flip it to the AL now Terry Francona, Tito as you like to call him, he did a hell of a job in Cleveland. There you go, won the division, ninety two games. They had his, uh, I think only what it was them, the A's, and I forget the other, the Cubs maybe that had more, that had the most rookies and all these new players play. Um, Stephen Kwan was a rookie of the year finalist in the American League. Uh, he did a great job with that young Guardians team. Gonzalez out in the, in the outfield with the walk off in the playoffs. All their guys are young. They have one superstar, and it's Jose Ramirez. Now, if I'm the Guardians, knowing what I know, are you thrilled about him winning it? Do I have to explain what I know? Maybe. They were 28th in payroll. The fact that Terry Francona tried really, really hard to get out of Cleveland. Really hard. 
Like, nobody was jockeying for the Padre job more than Terry Francona, according to my source. And the Guardians knew it. Obviously, they knew it. Would you be thrilled? I mean, how do you feel about that? Like, your husband just won husband of the year, but he was trying to find another wife (laughs) as bad as he could. Would you be thrilled about that? Probably not. As the current wife? It's a business. But I'm just saying, knowing what I know, now I can give you the opinion on Buck Showalter and Dave Roberts all day long. This is a trickier situation. Knowing that Francona wanted out, but then stayed and act like he was all in, and now he wins it, and you got to go around. you got to put it on your social media. You're going to have the day next year, manager of the year. But the whole time you're going, man, this SOB was trying to leave us. Are you thrilled? Probably no, you wouldn't be. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was thinking about that yesterday, and watching him on MLB Network. I'm like, I wonder how the Guardians feel about this. You know, because you won, even though this guy tried to have one. I mean, he had one foot out the door, and that door slammed on the foot, and he had to put his foot back in. Kind of tight. It's a rough, it's a rough and rough and tough business, and we like to provide you those kind of insights. Um. All three times he's won manager of the year have been with the Guardians. Just throwing that out. I mean, that doesn't mean anything, but I'm just saying. That what? All three times he's won manager he of the year. He didn't ever with the Red nope. Sox? All three times I've been with the Guardians. Verlander tonight. By the way, you really want to sell. You really you want to know where baseball, and we talked about this the other day, right? We talked about if you didn't watch the show, you can go back and watch it on YouTube or Twitter, where I was in Reno. And I'm watching, and I'm just watching human beings watching games and conversing with themselves. And everybody is so intrigued by football, not by the outcome, not by the plays. No one's sitting there going, God, that offensive coordinator, he's a genius. Everybody's watching based on some form of gambling. Whether you have money on the game, you have a fantasy team, you're in an office pool, the outcome of the game is affecting you personally. That's where football has hooked our country. Can you see the hook? Mm-hmm. I see, yeah. They've hooked our country that these games mean something to us personally, not as fans. Like, you're watching a game this weekend. Uh, what was a great game? Buffalo- Vikings, Vikings, Bills. Bu- yeah, great. How you like that, Kirk Cutsons? You're watching that game. You're Minnesota Buffalo? Nope. But somehow, some way, you've got Josh Allen at quarterback. Was he going to play? But he ended up playing. Justin he, Jefferson, Stephon Diggs. You got you got these guys on your teams. Like Cody. Like, like Cody's into this stuff. He's like, he loves fantasy football. I have Kirk Cousins, but none of the other guys. He spins like, but, but, but here's the thing that they lie to you so they don't look like. Here's what fantasy football people, this is how they lie to you to not look like they're losers. No offense. You know who you're playing. You know the other team's guys that you're playing. So not only do you know your fantasy team, you're so into it, you know your buddies' teams. So it shows how much it means to you and how much time you put into it that you not only know your team, you know the other guys in the league and don't lie. I'm the commissioner of the league, so I should know everyone. Uh Uh-huh. 
Oh, and now he's the commissioner of the league. I took over a failing league and turned it into a booming business. Do you see how much time these guys spend in their life on fantasy? It means something to them. That's what we got to get baseball to do. We got to figure out guys like this who are millions of you. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's true. There's millions of you. And kids, teenagers, they're playing fantasy. How do we get them into baseball like they are football? Because it's not about the game anymore. They're not sitting here going, you know, that defensive coordinator. If I went around and actually went to every – this casino, the Peppermill Pact, it's one of the best sports books in Vegas. If I, I mean, in, uh, in all of Nevada, actually, but it's rated the number one in Reno. If I went around and actually asked people, do you know what the difference is between a 3-4 and a 4-4 defense is? A 4-3 and a 4-4? Yeah. Well, it's four, four down linemen and three linebackers is a 4-3. Four, 4-4 four, four is the same thing, and three defensive backs. No, what is a what is a four 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 four, a three four, three four is three down linemen, four linebackers. Okay, do you know the difference between cover one, cover two, cover yeah, three? No, no. But they think they know football because they play fantasy. I play Madden. Right? They think they know football. I played football. Well, I'm not saying you didn't, but they think they know football, but they really they know fantasy and they know the play. But my point is, that's what we need in baseball. I don't need you to know how to. If I gave you a ball and said, all right, throw me how you throw your slider, you're, you're not going to know, but I need you hooked to the game. Yeah. How do I hook you to baseball the way football hooks you? That's what we need. And let me tell you something. This is not going to do it. MLB now today. You know I'm now, You know how much I love me some Brian Kenny. First graphic that they put up today in the opening monologue. Hold on. Let me see if I can guess. I don't, even, I don't know. I haven't seen that. Okay, let me For AL Cy Young Award finalists. Manoa, Cease, and Verlander. All right, those are your those are your three. Yep. Can you pick the 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 metric? I think so. That they are using to judge these three guys. First graphic used. I, I'm gonna guess, and I haven't seen this. I haven't watched it. Will be drum roll. Um, R A nine allowed. Close. Your verbiage is wrong. It's R A nine though, right? Runs a lot well, there's, for nine there's, there's, there's multiple ones because there's RA9 wins. Oh, which one did they use? I knew it was going to. RA9 war. Oh, that's right. Okay. Runs allowed per nine war. Brian Kenny loves that stat. Justin Verlander, seven. His war is a seven. Manoa's 6.7. Cease, it just shows you how these people who are living on Cease were like, the guy doesn't throw innings. He's only a 5.9. He led and, the league in strikeouts, but he also led the league in walks. But he doesn't go very long. That's what I mean, because he leads the league in strikeouts and walks. He can't yeah. pitch deep in the games. So, and the only reason why Verlander only had 175 innings because he took that, what was it, a growing or a calf? He's an old man. He had a hurt calf at the end of the year, right? It was calf? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up and see how many times Cease threw 100 pitches. Oh, don't even bother. Well, the White Sox has a stat that it 38 times. Let's see how many times Cease did it. So, how am I supposed to sell – People, the average person out there, on RA9 war. How am I supposed to go up against the NFL? The NFL. How am I supposed to go? Steph Curry. What does Steph Curry do? 15 times, I counted, for seats, 100 pitches. What's Steph Curry? Shoot a lot of three-pointers. What is a three-pointer? Um, a shot behind the three-point line that gives you three points on the scoreboard. All right. Pretty self-explanatory. Pretty exciting. Right? Yes. What's an assist? When you pass the ball and, you, and your team scores a bucket or a goal, 
in hockey and basketball or what? hockey and soccer. What's a rebound? When you grab the ball that missed on a missed shot. What's RA9 war and how do you compute it? Runs, al- run, runs allowed per nine. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't tell you the couldn't tell you the If you went around to the average person, what's RA nine war? I know what a three pointer is. I, hey, Aaron Rodgers, he won back to back MVPs. I understand what touchdowns are and what interceptions are. Pretty simple. Yeah. So NFL Network can be like, hey, here's your MVP. This is what he did. What do we do? RA nine war. How does RA nine war excite anybody? Like basketball, Nikola Jokic has won back-to-back MVPs as a center. What's he do? He scores, leads his team in rebounds, and assists a center, a seven-footer. Great story. We're talking about RA9, war, and uh, and these, all these other arbitrary stats that you know people, nerds unlike us, don't understand. 2022 season comparison, the next graphic. Are you ready for the next graphic put on our beloved MLB network, which is supposed to do what? What is MLB Network's purpose? Uh, to provide entertainment to the fans. Grow the game. It's 365, 24-7, supposed to grow baseball. That's why baseball has invested in MLB Network. It's to grow the game. So, we go from RA9 war to what do you think the next stat they put up on MLB Network to talk about Verlander versus Manoa. Um, I couldn't tell you. Opposition X Woba. Oh God. Opposition X Woba. So X Woba is more like an average. So it's a little easier. It's like a batting average or an ERA or whatever. So it's uh the X Woba for opponents X Woba, which means these guys aren't getting on base versus Verlander, is two fifty five. Versus Manoa is 284. For Verlander, that ranked in the American League second, Manoa ninth. So 255, ex-Woba is about getting on base, means guys who face Verlander as hitters don't get on base very often. Yes. Okay? So I'm selling versus the NFL. Do you know what ex-Woba stands for? Expected weighted on base Yeah, weighted on average. base average, yeah. So are you are you, are you testing my I'm just analytics seeing, I'm, knowledge? I'm just, I'm just seeing <laughs> Okay, I'm supposed to go up to the NFL. I'm going up against the NFL. It's we're we're Matt. What week are we in the NFL? Eleven. This will be week eleven coming up. Yeah. Starting All right, tomorrow. week eleven, starting tomorrow. Yeah, Packers. Someone on oh Thursday night. Oh my god, the Amazon games have been terrible. Yeah, it's Packers. The um, Packers. Couldn't tell you. I just know Aaron Rodgers is supposed to. Human beings. The bottom line is this: human beings are not ready to fire a few days after a game. If you've ever been in a locker room in the NFL. Packers-Titans. I think it's a game that uh, Glenn Kuyper's going through. These guys are so beat up, they're not ready to play. It's just they are not ready to play whatsoever. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I'm sure Bobby Evans is going to agree with me. During during the football season, I'm trying to sell my AL Cy Young Award winners on RA9 War and a opposition ex-WOBA. Bobby, how am I going to sell our great game of baseball? They're talking touchdowns and interceptions and scores, and I'm talking RA9 War to the public. How are you, my friend? Hey, it's great to see you. A lot of great A's, A's paraphernalia there. How do you like this? This is our new setup here in the whole. This is our little A's studio. It's impressive. I like it. You guys look like you're ready to go. You look like Coliseum left. <laughs> we got the Coliseum, Ricky Henderson Field in the background. We've uh, we've stepped our game up. So how have you been? It's been a while since we last talked to you. Uh, doing great. Doing great. Uh, staying busy with uh, a lot of activity. You know, three kids, two in high school now, one a senior, one a freshman, and a and a young elementary school student. So we've got a couple of sports going for each of them at all times. So it's uh, it's nonstop and uh, following the free agent market, following these uh, team opening. Uh, really anxious to see uh, how the off season is going to go. It's uh, it's nice to have a normal off season. We don't have to worry about a CBA. Yeah, you know, we just talked about that with our broadcaster Vince Catronio. You know. Um... Last year with the lockout, it seemed like right after the lockout, for certain teams, you know, we all fish in different ponds. Like, there's the big pond that has all the star players, the big money players, and then you got the smaller pond that's got good players, but it's a much smaller pond, and they're not making the same amount of money. And that's usually where the A's make their hay, and there's a lot of other teams who make their hay in that pond. But that pond seemed like, you know, with the lockout, that it was shut down, and it was tough to really find players in such a quick time for last year, which I'm now happy we're back to everybody can fish wherever the heck they want. <laughs> right, right. Well, those are the guys you're trying to find with high upside that, you know, that might take a one-year deal that, you know, less risk for the club, but perhaps some high upside and get maybe some injuries have held them back or maybe they, uh, you know, their value is down for whatever reason. And, you know, you bring your system, your manager, your coaching staff, your philosophy uh, into their game and maybe it's a game changer. And so that's one of the reasons that's very attractive for a lot of clubs, including, you know, some high market clubs, but the, you know, they don't always have the opportunities. And so the, the smaller market clubs actually have opportunities to give those guys and that's where they can take advantage of it. We're kind of seeing a sea change. I don't know how much it's going to change back, but we're hearing about organizations saying, you know what, we really need to blend this the analytics with scouting. We kind of kicked a little bit of the scouting to the curb. Now we're bringing it back. We're seeing the old school managers. Obviously, look at the two men that were in the World Series. You know Dusty Baker real well your old manager that you won World Series with, Bruce Bochy, back in the game in Texas. So they tried to all go young, all go analytics, front offices and managers. 
Now we're seeing experience, maturity come back, leaders of men. First off, what would you think about Boach returning to Texas? Yeah, I mean, it was great timing. I mean, you've got a chance to play uh, or, man, or manage for a, a guy that used to uh, used to play for you and Chris Young. And, you know, it's a great fit. I mean, it's the only guy, I think, in baseball that could make Bruce Bochy look small in a press conference, um, <laughs> you know, being that he's, he's, a, he's Chris is a large man. Um, but I think it's great. I mean, Bochy has been very close to all of his general managers over the years. He's had a very good, good and close relationship a long time with Kevin Towers there in San Diego. And then, of course, Brian with the Giants. And now to have see why i mean that's just that's great for boach and i know that he's hungry i mean sitting out the last you know what three years uh you know he's hungry to get back he missed it um you know i think he he's tasted that success and you have a team now that's got you know they got some ramp up to do i mean they they've added some good guys last off season but it didn't go well uh so now they are here they are trying to add again really on the pitching side in hopes that they can put themselves over the top you know, to me, so many times I really learned this from Bob Melvin, and obviously we've seen Melvin have the continued success wherever he goes now in San Diego. There is just something about relationships. It's handling the men. There's a lot of things going on inside the clubhouse. Guys have issues away from the field, whether it's, you know, marriage, kids, girlfriends, uh, parents, health of family members. There's always something going on. And what people, as we got so into this world of analytics and that's all that matters, people forget you got, it's like any business. It doesn't matter if you're in baseball or if you're in tech or you're in finance, you still have to manage the people. People need to be managed. Are we now getting back to that in our game going, the personal touch does matter? Well, no question. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about communicating with your players. It's building that trust, uh, you know, and I think that the managers who have, you know, been successful, you know, even in, even whether they're more, you know, analytically focused or not, it, it ultimately comes down to the relationship with the players and, you know, building that trust and, and nobody better at it than a, a Dusty Baker and a Bruce Bochy. And, you know, these guys understand, you know, that players have lives away from the field and, they care about their guys. Uh, you know, they, they, they communicate with them in terms of whether they're getting off days or not getting off days, uh, what their role will be. Uh, there's the manager's given a chance to manage. I mean, you know, definitely front office, definitely front offices need to partner with their manager to make sure that the best information is available, but you put a manager in a position because you, you trust him to manage. And I think that we're seeing the fruits of that with some of the success that some of these clubs have had where they're not dictating every move that a manager makes. We're going to have Joe Madden on Friday. He's got a new book out with Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated yeah. where, you know, he's talking a lot about, hey, you know, there's balance. I mean, balance, as we all know in life, is a good thing. And when I think of balance, I think about your guys' great tenure in San Francisco. Obviously, you have three championship rings. Brian Sabian, there's a good chance that someday he'll go into the Baseball Hall of Fame as an executive. All the success that you've had in your illustrious career as a general manager and as an assistant general manager. How did you guys deal with scouting, analytics, the answers to the questions, balance in the organization how did you guys go about it well we made sure that every everybody had you know an understanding that their voice mattered and uh that their perception or perspective mattered uh but 
you know, Brian wanted to always emphasize that, you know, this is a, this is a, about the players, uh, ultimately what they're able to do on the field. And we don't want uh, our process or our systems or our analysis to be the focal point of what we achieve. We want to make sure it's ultimately about what the players achieve on the field, that they're on the field for a reason, uh, not because they're a number, not because they represent a certain percentage of on base or, or anything else. They want to make sure that it's, uh, they understand that we believe in them, the manager believes in them. And he didn't want to, you know, talk a lot about our process and system. He wanted to talk a lot about players and make sure they were the focus. So when we won championships, that was the focus, not not us in the front office, not anything we were doing, because ultimately those are the guys making it happen. That's interesting you say that. And I just watched the, uh, the last dance with the Michael Jordan documentary and about the, their last shot at winning that last title. And it really was Jerry Krause, general manager of the Bulls, who really felt slighted that all of the attention went to Michael Jordan. All the attention went to this guy or it went to Phil Jackson. And that was kind of like what we started seeing in the 90s where, and I think we do see it today, where there's front office people who want to go, hey, don't forget about me. Look at me. Look at my decisions. Look at my draft picks. Look at my signings. I'm a big reason. And, yes, front office people are a big reason. But you guys did such a great job of saying, hey, it's the players who win the championship. But have you seen a little bit of a change? And, obviously, I think Billy Bean and Moneyball, a lot of these young guys saw that. They read the book. They saw the movie. They went, I want to be like that guy. Have you seen a little bit to where front office people these days want to be celebrities? Well, I mean, the contracts that, that are being handed out, you know, almost put, force them into a celebrity role. I mean, they become the face more of the franchise than sometimes the players themselves just because of the, the size of the contracts that are being handed out. And, you know, I, I, I think there's there's accountability, uh, you know, on all fronts for that. I mean, some of it is, you know, ownerships are really are really driving, you know, putting the, the, the face of the franchise, the president out there more and taking uh, more of the the baseball side of it and not as much the, you know, the ownership. And we, you know, some owners are very silent in some cities, which I think is a shame for the players. I think owners need to be, you know, interacting and engaged with their team and not, not taking a backseat to anybody. Um, but I, I do see that. I mean, you, you know, and some of that's the media drawing attention to the philosophies that have worked and the, the strategies that have been against the grain that have been successful. And it does point cameras at those executives and i'm not sure that they're desiring that attention but it's it's a natural effect as as their unique philosophies uh, have success now i think about your career and as you said you're busy with the kids and everything i knew i know you do consulting and we'll talk about egyptian baseball coming up here which is always fascinating but in the in the climate of today's front office, is this something? I mean, you got three World Series rings. Is this something that you would like to get back into? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, similar to Boach, I mean, it's it's great to look back on what we've accomplished, but it's it's very important to accomplish the next great feat. And you know, so I I love interacting with uh, executives in the game, some players in the game, you know, some agents in the game, you know, coaches and managers. And, and following the game, you know, whether it be through local radio, TV, MLB network, I mean, it's it's still a passion. And the right situation has to come along. I mean, we're very attached to the Bay Area, so it has to be the right situation. But, yeah, you, you line up a, an opportunity, um, you know, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. 
Well, I mean, the experience and the resume says it all for you, and uh, a, a franchise definitely w- would be lucky to have you. And I, I think about, you know, the winter meetings coming up. There's going to be a, a lot of big moves made. Uh, like, like when you think about Aaron Judge, you know, everybody, everybody right now is saying they're all in. We don't know the amount of years. We don't know the price tag. We don't know how that is going to work. But what is that like from a front office standpoint where you have one player who's really setting the market, he's the marquee guy, and you know you want him, but you know a lot of other people want him. What are those negotiations like? Yeah, you, you hear a lot of the things that you want to hear from the agents, but you, you really don't know the bottom line or the bottom truth. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, we took a, a group of us, Bruce Bochy and Brian Sabian and myself, Larry Bear, Buster Posey, all to John Lester's house, you know, in Atlanta, across the country, trying to recruit him to come and, and pitch for us. But, you know, it takes, you know, one relationship, maybe one key relationship in Chicago, i.e., you know, Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, you know, former executives with the Red Sox, the new Lester best, you know, one relationship though can, can swing a guy. And, you know, when you're talking about an Aaron judge, you're, you're talking about pinstripes, you're talking about legacy, Roger Maris, Yankee stadium, the difference between Yankee stadium and, and Oracle park. So, you know, you have a hill to climb and you, you know, you're going to put all, pull out all the stops to try to, to lure him to you. But there's, you know, he's 31 years old. There's only so many years you want to put on a contract. There's only so much of an AAV you want to put on the contract. And you already know that the Yankees are interested in, in bringing the legacy back. And so, uh, you know, you're going to be prepared for second and third options, but you're going to pursue hard that first option as long as you can without giving up on the others. Do you really want to get it done before the winter meetings and before the circus starts in San Diego? Or is that something that probably most of these teams are just, hey, we're going to have to try and get this thing done once we get to uh, San Diego? Yeah, I mean, the clubs, unfortunately, just can't dictate it. I mean, the the, the agent, you know, is is building a market. Uh, he's 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 getting a lot of uh, information from clubs, a lot of uh, data points. And, you know, they're going to have to determine the, the pace. Um, you know, we try to provide the destination. They give us the sense of timing. And uh, sometimes that works to the club's advantage. And sometimes it doesn't because, you know, if other guys are going off the board, it can really pull and, and tug at you in terms of what you what you're going to get done if you if you stay too focused on one guy. And um, my sense is we've seen you know some of these offers be substantial enough that you know uh, get, deals were getting done before the winter meetings uh, in in recent years. Uh, this may be a year where it's a little slower. It seems like I'm hearing that the the clubs are are ready to spend, and if they're ready to spend, I would think that there's a chance more deals will get done either at the winter meetings or a little before. If you're running the Angels and you knew Shohei Otani makes you millions upon millions of dollars in advertising from Japan and all the money he brings in, merchandise, I mean, he is just an absolute cash cow for the Angels. But what if somebody above you says, we got to trade him? How tough would that be to get value for not only the player, but what he brings in from a monetary standpoint, and then now you're just getting minor league players for him. Yeah, I mean, it's heartbreaking as a baseball guy to, to see talent like that go out the door. And, and you really you really want to be in a position where someone has to overwhelm you 
because I mean, he's a guy to build your future on, you know, both sides of the ball, you know, pitching and, and offense. And so it's such a unique talent. I mean, you know, despite all of what he brings in in terms of revenue and fan interest, you know, what he means to a ball club and that clubhouse, the way he goes about his job, he's, he's young, he's got so much potential for the future. Uh, you got him for a long time if you can lock him up. And, you know, he brings, he brings it every day. He brings a great attitude. He's a, he's a presence, you know, in your lineup. He's a presence in your rotation. That's very hard to replace on a, from the baseball side. So you really want to be in a position where you're not forced to, to deal him. Uh, but you, you, do, you do sometimes get in a position where if, if there is an openness to making a move or you're not planning to re-sign him, that you try to get as much, much in return as you can that ultimately would overwhelm you. But I, I don't know how you could get enough, uh, to be honest. It would be a very tough a tough sell. Well, back in 2019, we had you on the show down in San Diego at the Manchester High at the winter meetings, and we learned about Egyptian baseball. Fascinating. And as we talked about then, I'm sure we're going to talk about now, at some point we're going to see some of these kids. We don't know when, but they'll make it to Major League Baseball. I know COVID shut the world down. I don't know how it maybe paused it for a little bit. Where are we now? Well, yeah, when it, when it started in 2017, I think we had maybe 40 children uh, in, in Egypt. I mean, this is an effort to bring uh, baseball to the Middle East, really through youth baseball, where a lot of the major league efforts are more generating, you know, the, the higher uh, sort of world baseball classic level, if you will, uh, where this is much more of a youth effort. And, and baseball partnered with us this, this past um, a year to to bring an event to Egypt where we were able to reintroduce uh, our programs post-COVID. And, you know, just before COVID, we were up to 2,500 kids in Egypt playing baseball. And, you know, we really like to see that, you know, double or more in 2023. Uh, we've gotten some, you know, some participation from Major League Baseball, even, you know, Corey Guerin from the, from the Giants uh, previously, you know, went over with us this past, past year, uh, was able to get an exposure to the, the kind of enthusiasm that we're seeing. Um, we understand it's rudimentary. There's, there's a lot of work to do, um, but they're working with us in their phys ed class, classes in the local schools. They're working with us through clinics, working through teaching the coaches to coach the game. And there's some good, some good athletes over there. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, especially knowing that this is just the beginning um, and uh, the passion is to make sure that there's a, you know, there's a common language between, you know, the Middle East and the West. And here we are, you know, using baseball to be that common language. It's fascinating, and a lot of people need to understand, you know, a, a game that's played around the world is cricket, and there's some guys that absolutely can wing it in cricket. And you just wonder, can we translate that? Can, I mean, because clearly these cricket players, you know, it's kind of like what I know Billy Bean has talked about. He's like, you know, some of these guys that he's watching in Europe play soccer, like the body types, these guys could be receivers, safeties in football with their speed and their size. I mean, do you see like what you see over cricket going, man, look at some of these guys, they can make great baseball players. Yeah. I mean, we're working with kids that are kind of, uh, you know, not quite maybe a few teenagers, but a lot of 12 and under kids. And yeah, I mean, you, you see athleticism. I mean, that's what you, what's what, what excites you. I mean, they're picking up, you know, how to throw a ball and how to catch the ball and how to hit the ball in such a short time. And they don't, it's not like they see the game a ton, so, yeah, I mean, you feel like you've got a good uh, uh, assortment of athletes and, and there's a lot of you know, young women, young girls interested in playing, too. In fact, in fact, I sometimes feel like the young girls are 
is is interested or even more interested than some of the boys. I think some of the boys see it, you know, this game's hard. Let me go back to soccer, you know, and, um, but, you know, we're seeing a lot of interest. And I think that the, uh, you know, the fun part for us is just that parents, you know, are really engaged too. I mean, the parents are getting out on the field and taking ground balls and, and learning the game themselves so they can play with their kids. And I had one dad come up to me in Egypt this past year um, earlier this year. And he said, you know, do you know what happened to my son after, after you guys were here last time? And I was like, no, tell me. He's like, well, you know, we bought RBI baseball on our PS4 and he's been playing and have setting up his own team. And he's, he's bought the MLB package and he's watching games and he's a, he's a, he's a, he's an absolute baseball nut now. And he's like, this was just from you guys coming over, you know, just before the pandemic. And, you know, it's, I think that, you know, I, I was, I was actually speaking with, um, uh, Dave Cavill with the Cavill with the A's, and he said, you know, he feels like youth baseball is probably a great place to to really push the game. And we we spend a lot of time working with older kids, but really, he he would love to see us do more internationally with youth baseball because, you know, kids can you know take this game and run with it. And and you know, and they I know they're doing some of that in in the basics of the even San Francisco, but I think more and more doing youth baseball efforts are, are probably the best thing for our game. Yeah, I got to tell you, I know people try and bag on baseball, but when you look at diversity inside our game and how people are from all over the world playing our game, I mean, we were just talking about one of our top players is from Japan. I mean, we have people from all over the world, and what you guys are doing, you're planting that seed that's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow, and hopefully in our careers we'll see our game even grow more globally. But people do forget. All the Australian guys that we got. I mean, we've had quite a few of them here with the A's. Yeah. We've had yeah. players from all over the world playing our game. Well, that's why that's why it's a World Series. I mean, it's not a World Series because we're playing other nations or other countries. We're playing with the best players from all those nations, and that's why it's a World Series. Great stuff. I'm sure we're going to see you in San Diego, right? I hope so. That'd be great. I'd love it. Hey, we always appreciate the time. You be well. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Great. Bobby Evans joined us right here on A's Cast Live, three-time World Series champion. I wanted to, I'm glad we got his perspective on Egyptian baseball because we learned about that while we were down there. I believe his friend that was running the program in Egypt uh, was Kemp Golden. Um, I, that is a, great memory right yeah, there. Yeah. I remember talking. we talked with him, but we, talked to Bo- we saw Bobby getting out of the Uber from the airport. He was the first person we saw. When we got there, it was Bobby Evans walking into the Manchester Hyde, and here we are, all the you know three years later, and they're still you know growing the game of uh, baseball in Egypt, and you know Max Kepler, uh, Max Kepler from the Twins is from Germany, so baseball in Germany is growing. We got a lot of nations out playing. Don't baseball. get me started on the people who criticize, and I and 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 Tony Clark, I know where he's going, but it's like, look around your game. Look at, I mean, you're going to criticize baseball. Compared to the other sports, we could clearly look at our sport and look at international players. You want to compare us to everybody else? You want to compare the NBA rosters to Major League Baseball, NFL? Hockey's in it. Hockey be tough. Hockey, but hockey's a cold way. I mean, they're 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 from only certain spots. But basketball's starting to get a, like you're getting a lot more. You know, you're getting less international in basketball. Uh, well the. The next comp, the next great big players from France, but there, there was that, there was that run, 
90s, early 2000s. We haven't had that great. Yeah. Hasn't I mean, been as much. I mean, you got uh, Joel Embiid's from Cameroon. Uh, Jokic is from. Uh, there was a point it seemed like there was some type of European player on every team. Yeah, Luka Doncic is another one. Your boy uh, Porzingis. Porzingis. Uh, uh, Sabonis' son who was. Uh, Your was Vetus, a, my Vetus. Uh, his son, Demotis Sabonis, uh, was great last night on TNT. Kings are on TNT for the first time in four years. Nobody cares. Uh, but he, he was great. But they, there's a lot of good players in the NBA, but nothing like what we have with baseball from other countries. Not even close. You got the Dominican Republic. You have other countries in South Cuba, America. Cuba, Venezuela, Japan. Mexico, Canada. You got different parts of Asia. You've got Australia. You got players from all, as you mentioned, Germany. You got yeah. players from all over. Yeah. All over. We have a, uh, wait for it, a World Baseball Classic. That's two months from now. Or no, not two months from now, but in March. Yeah. Yeah. A world. There's a reason. We have a World Baseball. What other? Where? When's the World Baseball? When's the World Basketball Classic? Is that the, what do they used to call it? The FIBA Championships? I think that's what they, yeah, they, it's. And then hockey has the Olympics, but, you know, that's really about it, and football doesn't do that anymore. Eh, football didn't do it at all. But what, no wait, whatever happens. Whatever no one's ha- going to criticize the World League. Whatever happened to NFL Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's going to criticize the NFL, but, yeah, let's look at them in the world. Are you kidding me? No, baseball, I mean, it's amazing the amount of players we get. And now you're going into the Middle East 10 years from now, 20 years from now, maybe see kids from the Middle East playing in Major League Baseball. That would be insane. We, had a, we even had a couple uh, – I don't I can't remember if they, if they ever end up making it to the majors, but the uh, million dollar arm kids from India that the Pirates signed—they were cricket players. Yeah, they. I don't I can't remember if one of them ever made it to the. I should know. I'm a Pirates fan. I, I don't think any of them, either of them, ever made it to the major leagues. But they, uh, one of the kids excelled. Uh, he, I think he might have reached AAA with the Pirates. Um, so yeah, the, the baseball globally, I think it's far ahead of everyone. I think obviously hockey, but it's a lot of Russia and you're getting some guys from Germany and stuff, and you know those countries. But I think baseball far is ahead of everyone else. Well, we're going to have coming up here, they say 3 o'clock, but this just goes on the show, MLB Network. It's going to be Verlander, Alcantara. They're going to be they're, – oh, oh, yeah, no, you're right, Alcantara. He had six complete games this year. That's more than any other team it's had in baseball. Um, he also won me a steak dinner you still haven't paid off. Well, you're always busy. As you said, you're, you know, golfing and um, That's not dinner. Vacations. That's during the day. I haven't gone in. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> You're just in I, Reno. Just, I just bought Taylor Swift tickets. That's that's Christmas present right there for my kids. I'm not going. I'm broke. Is that Levi's? I can't afford a steak. Is that Levi's Taylor Swift? Yeah. I saw her there a couple years ago. Very good concert. Well, that's good for you. Yeah. My I'm, wife is trying to go this time. I'm like, you know what? You, you know what? You go and that's check great. out Taylor. You guys this time. have a good time. Uh, I'm waiting for because Sandy, my good friend Sandy, was the first to 200 innings to win me the ridiculous bet that my. Uh, my right-hand man here bet me that nobody in baseball would pitch 200 innings. Sandy got there easy, so he owes me a steak dinner. I'm starving. I'm ready to go anytime you are. Oh, we got plenty of time. Season doesn't start until March. Or oh, until maybe April. in San Diego. Downtown San Diego's got like six steakhouses. Yeah, Very expensive. Yeah, well. Very expensive. I'll see if my wife will let me borrow a credit card. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got to pay it off before the season. Oh, well. Do you want to go to the expensive steakhouses in Scottsdale? What about Morton's? It's right down the street. Uh, we can go to Morton's in downtown San Jose. I'm a big fan of Morton's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's convenient for both of us. Going to be the same price as the Morton's in San Diego. So however you want, wherever <laughs> you want to pay, I, I'm good. 
Should on the way out, should we play how we finally made it? I mean, we're big time now from from what we heard on. I mean, our voices from message we delivered to Sarah was played today on. Well, we'll play, but this is on the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney and a message from Sarah Langs. Well, from us. Uh, speaking of the Bay Area, Chris Townsend is the host of A's Cast. Uh, he's gotten to know you in in recent years. Here's what he had to say. I remember the first time I heard Sarah on Baseball Tonight, the podcast, and I immediately thought, this is incredible information, great delivery. We've got to have this on our show. And I called my producer, Cody, and said, we've got to find the Sarah Langs and get her on the program. And ever since the first time she has come on, she has become a fan favorite. Uh, I think about the time we had her out on the field right before the playoffs where we do our show. She has meant so much to us. And I think about the professionalism. I think about the research. I think about the numbers. All that stuff is great. But when you get to know Sarah, you get to know the person and you fall in love with the person. So we've been so thankful that we have had her and had all the different research and stuff she's brought to the program. But being able to call her a friend and just to fall in love with her as a person has been far greater than any number she has ever brought in us. And who would, who would have ever thought, Cody, that she'd become such a really a star in Northern California? Our fan base adores her. I like to think that I was good at finding stuff, and then I met Sarah and started becoming friends with Sarah, and she can find literally everything that I can't. She's been invaluable to, to our show, to me, to you. Uh, the friendship I've built with Sarah over the last few years has been great. Um, we stay in communication. Uh, you know, every week we talk about baseball and stats. So what Sarah has done for me and helping me grow my career in the side of research and becoming friends, you're right. I mean, you can't help but fall in love with the person, how, how much she loves the game of baseball and just loves life. So um, she's been tremendous for us and for our show, and I, I couldn't thank her enough. Sarah, you're in our thoughts. You're in our prayers. We love you. And everybody with A's Cast, A's Cast Live, and all the fan base, we will always be there with you. First of all, thank you so much to Chris and to Cody. I really, really appreciate the kind words. So that was on Baseball Tonight today. The episode, if you want to look it up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, Best Product Every Night is the name of the episode. Buster had Theo Epstein on the show today as well, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to Theo talk. But yeah, that was Sarah. That was message to Sarah Langs. We recorded what like two weeks ago, and Buster Buster had so many people record messages from Dallas Braden to former coworkers with uh, Baseball Tonight, Eduardo Perez. Uh, there's been so many, so we're just honored that Buster reached out and asked us if we could do it, and we're you know we're able to give our kind words and thank you to Sarah. Yeah, and our support. That's what what matters the most is supporting her through what she's going through, and she's so strong and wants to work through it and wants to do her job. And I know at some point doesn't want to focus on it. And that's why when we bring her on, it'll be about baseball, but we love her. She is such good people. No question. Uh, Somebody, you now read so much stuff. Like last night I read so many articles and it's always tough to remember everything. Somebody has where Theo Epstein could step back in and be president and run a team. What team? Oh, I saw this too. What it, team was that? Oh, um, was it Bowden said that he would come in and run the Angels? I thought it was – And Perry Manassian would stay on as GM. Yeah. Yes. That's what they, they, The Angels would get sold and he'd come on and be and he'd run the Angels. Fascinating. Can Theo pitch? 
because I don't. I don't. I. I mean, Trey Turner's going there. I mean, uh, do do they realize that somebody has to get on the mound and pick up a baseball and throw it? Well, they're banking on Otani. Look, here's the exact what quote. to go every six days. This, Wait a minute, they're trading him. Here, here's what I got from. Let me let me just find it real quick. This is from Joel Sherman yesterday after the Angels signed Tyler Anderson to a three-year, $39 million deal. By the way, which I think is actually a really good deal. He also I mean, vo- he was very good. He was very good last year, 15-5 and five with a 2.57 ERA and 28 starts for the Dodgers, also an all-star. The Angels' rotation is left-handed heavy behind Otani, now with Anderson joining Reed Detmers, who had a no-hitter last year, Patrick Sandoval, and um, what's Suarez's first name? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on Suarez's name. Michael Lorenzen's a free agent. Syndergaard's not gone. But they're hoping to try to keep a six-man rotation for Otani yet again for next year. So maybe the Angels got another starter. But, yeah, I keep seeing – I think Jim Bowden had it. Angels signed Trey Turner. It's like, cool, you have a great infield that makes a lot of money, but can they pitch besides Otani? Well, and that's where I pissed everybody off. I want to say – Jose Suarez is the Angels. Suarez. I was trying to think because he just pitched against the A's. Um I know it sounds it sounds crazy when you criticize Shohei Otani, you look like a jackass, but it's true. It's like you've got to have five starters and him. Five starters and him. How many teams have six legit starters that every day you've got to go out? Now, having a bunch of left-handers, that, I mean, that could be us. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, seriously, you're going to go Cole Irvin, Waldachuk, Sears, we're going to have a bunch of lefties. Yeah. You have Logue. I mean, you could have um, Koenig. I yeah. mean, we could have a bunch the, of lefties. The only righties we would have would be Blackburn and Cap. But the bottom line is you got to have somebody out there who can start the game and give you some innings and give you a chance. And that is the biggest issue with Otani is that he, unless he's in a perfect world, I don't know. His value is going to be great. But is value always going to be as great as we think it is if he's not in a perfect situation? That's why we all laugh. What's the perfect situation? Well, at least the Dodgers. Because the Dodgers have a bazillion starters. So they can have guys get hurt or whatever. Angels don't have that. The Angels need their top guy to go 30-plus starts and 200 innings. Now, the fact that he's going to hit 30-plus bombs is great. But they need a starter, and he's their ace. They need him. They need volume. Somebody's got to give them volume. Multiple guys got to give them volume. Until they have that, they will not win. They can, they can, they can go the strategy, a la the Texas Rangers back in the day, where everybody was hitting it out of the ballpark and they scored a ton of runs. You will not win without pitching and defense. You just won't. It's 162. It's a marathon, as they like to say. That bad cliche. And when you play every day, you get exposed. And if your pitching stinks and your starters are always giving up early to the bullpen, you no matter how good your bullpen is, you burn your bullpen out. You can't just have a bunch of pitchers and try to figure out 4,300 and something outs. What do we calculate it to? Uh, 4,000. You got to get over 4,000 we'll, yeah, outs. We'll round up to 4,300. I'm going to get it to you. I'm going to get it to you. Just to give you an idea. So this is this is actually something that we should address with people at the winter meetings because I don't think people um, really express really 27, what, 27, 27 times, times 162. 162, 4,374. And that doesn't count extra innings. 
Or the postseason. You got to get four thousand three hundred seventy-four outs. How are you going to do that? Do you get it with a bunch of one-inning guys? No. No. So you got to figure out how to get four thousand three hundred seventy-four outs. And until the Angels can do that, I don't care who they have offensively. And none of their guys can play every day. Their guys get hurt. Yep. So is Rendon magically going to become Cal Ripken? No. Is Trout magically nope. going to – Otani's got to have days off. Otani can't hit here, can't play here. Fletcher's uh, been uh, hurt. Tyler, Taylor Ward's been hurt. The the first baseman that was really good uh, had the good year two years ago. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, he had a bunch of home runs. Uh, J- uh, Jared Walsh. Can't stay healthy. Can't, they had a bunch of injuries last year. They don't have a catcher, although they love that kid they got from the Phillies, uh, Ohoppy or whatever. What about Matt Ohoppy? That's right. He's going to have the brewery outside. Yeah, the, yeah. They got him from Toronto? Uh, Philly. Philly, yeah, they're eat. I remember when I, he made his debut against the A's. It was like, yeah. oh, Hoppy could have his own brewery outside the Big A. Before we go, uh, she- Max Stassi. What about your boy Stassi? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think former A. Okay, Kurt Suzuki's gonna retired. Max Stassi out of. Oh, it's school. It's north of here, right? Out of. Now he signed with UCLA, but didn't go. It's out not, of. It's not UOP. No idea. How is that North UOP North of here? Oh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of – it's north of here, though, right? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yuba City, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> Yuba City. All right, two trivia questions for you. Here we go. All with right. with the Mets and Buck Showwater winning the Manager of the Year award, they now have a Manager of the Year winner. Who is the only team that does not have a Manager of the Year winner? There is a team that has not – one manager of the year. Correct. Let me make it's a national league team. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's one of the expansion teams. I'll go Marlin. No, nope. did Donnie Baseball win it? If Donnie Baseball didn't, um Can't be Arizona. Uh Joe Girardi didn't he got fired. Can't be because Melvin won it in Arizona. So okay. It's a national league team. Yep. Don't know. That'd be the Milwaukee Brewers. Scrap Iron didn't win it. Uh, Craig Council's never won. Uh, okay, so that's it. That's one. The A's have had 16 different pitchers throw at least 100 pitches this year. I'll take Frankie Montas out. Can you name the Can you name the other six? That did what? That went 100 or more. Pitches in a game? Yeah. Can you name the other? Let me make sure. One, two, Cole three, Irvin. four. Yep, Cole Irvin's one. Adam Aller. Two. Waldachuk. Waldachuk. Sears. Nope. Sears ever went over 100? Nope. So I need three more? Uh, yes. And Frankie's off the list? Yep. Because he's not here anymore. But he is Did a I mention Blackburn? Blackburn's four. I'm trying to think of all the guys we had pitch. We had so There's many. a lot. <laughs> so many guys. This guy pitched very well towards the end of the season. Did Logue go over and over? Logue was one. You're forgetting one guy. So I'm at five. Yep, you're forgetting one guy. It's not Koenig. Nope. Same letter, though. K? I don't know. James Caprillion. <laughs> once! He did it nope. once! Incorrect, twice. twice. He did it twice. Cole did it twice. Blackburn did it twice. Logue once. Aller once. Waldachuk once. Frankie Montas, a cool seven times. <laughs> Remember who has the record for most starts of less than six innings. Six innings or less. 
It'd be James Caprillion. James Caprillion. What did it end at? Like 35, 36? It was, it was something up there, yeah. God. And we teased this earlier, and I'll pay off the tease finally. The six Dodgers to do it. No, sorry, five. Because one guy did it twice. The answer, Tyler Anderson, gone. Walker Bueller, well, wow. he's out. Clayton Kershaw, Julio Arias. And where were you when Santa Clara University's own Mitch White threw 100 pitches for the Dodgers? <laughs> the pride of... Santa Clara University and Bellarmine Prep. He started 18 games. Yep. See, that's why Otani works there. Because they can pull a Mitch White out of nowhere. <laughs> right? How old is Mitch White? He is 27. He'll be 28 when the season starts. From San Jose, California? Yep. I don't I wonder what high school he went to. See, that's the thing that the Dodgers have. They've got all this depth and all these guys. So it oh, would Bellarmine. When Walker when when Ma- Walker Bueller goes out, they can piece it together. That's why Otani could work there. They could legitimately have a six man rotation. Who else? Maybe the Astros, and that would be if Verlander was still there. I don't know how you do it if Verlander leaves. And by the way, where's Verlander going to go? Really? Uh, he wants the same deal as Max Scherzer. So if he goes to L.A., he's only going to pitch four and two thirds because he won't be allowed to go longer than that. Uh, the Astros might give him the money, and who else? The Angels. Well, remember, if you listened earlier, all this criticism of Jim Crane, it was Jim Crane who did the Montero deal. The owner just did the Montero deal. And Jim Crane did the Verlander deal last year when Verlander was on vacation in Italy. Montero, 32 years old, 29 career saves, 34.5 million over three years. Ranger Suarez, or Robert Suarez, never closed a game in the Major League Baseball, five years, 46 million. Tyler Anderson, three years, 39. He's a starting pitcher. I don't, I don't know how to make sense of it. Bullpens are so up and down, and you're giving Suarez they got five years. Nick Martinez is back with them as well. And five he's, years. What did, what did Martinez sign his deal with? But you know what the Padres You know what the Padres proved everybody? Three-year, $26 million for 32-year-old Nick Martinez. Do you know what the Padres proved everybody? No. You don't know? I mean, they did have the most starts of 100 pitches or more. Think of how I think. What do the Padres prove to everybody? They'll, they'll spend. What did they prove? Not spend. What do they prove to everybody out there? Uh, just tell me. There's money in baseball. Padres don't have a big television contract. They've got a little television contract. Look it up. It's with Fox. It's not very big. How are the Padres spending all this money? How do the Padres? They don't... They, they don't have this crazy deal. TV contracts. That's why I, I typed TV, but it, then it brought up Julio Rodriguez. Um, Padres are out there. Padres are paying $43 million to have Eric Hosmer play for the Red Sox. On top of their $300 million guarantee to Machado, $300-plus million to Tatis Jr., they're going to have Juan Soto's arbitration eligible. He's got to be getting what in arbitration? And well, now you're giving, and now you're giving these relievers guaranteed money. Padres have what the fifth or fourth highest payroll in baseball. They were fifth this year, yeah. Do you got their TV contract? I'm still looking. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if uh, Wikipedia is going to have it. No, uh, it's, it, the Padre. The network was created as a result of the Padres and Fox signing a 20-year broadcast deal, in which Fox would pay 28 million for the rights in the first year, and what likely escalate topping out a potential 75 million in the final year of the contract. But this is back when it was Dick Enberg and, and Mudcat Mark Grant. 
They do not have one of the biggest TV contracts. So where it just shows all these franchises are making money. And the Padres are considered a small market team. You know, it's fifth highest payroll in baseball this year. Seventh, sixth or seventh largest city in the country. It's they're spending big money. They're spending money on relievers, let alone position players. Once again, paying Eric Hosmer $43 million to play for the Red Sox. That's coming out of the Padres' budget. Yeah, and then he's gave, what was it, 40, well, 46 and 32. So it's what, a, that's $78 million they gave the two relievers. You're going to tell me there's not money in baseball? Yeah, for sure. You tell me teams aren't making money? When one team is like, to hell with it, we're trying. I, it's it's it is interesting. All righty, we got a special guest on Friday. Uh, on top of Eno Saris, we're going to have the great Joe Madden. Joe Madden will be here on Friday, and our national baseball columnist Eno Saris. Thank you, everybody, for watching A's Cast Live. We loved having our old buddy Vince Catronio on and also three-time World Series champion executive Bobby Evans, who we'll see in San Diego. Enjoy the rest of AceCast, and we'll see everybody at Friday at 1 o'clock. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Oakland Athletics Spring Training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.